getting cold. Is there anything I can do to warm you up? You don't have to worry about me, Mr. Bond. I went on a survival course in Siberia. Yes, I believe a great number of your countrymen do. What did they teach you? That it's very important to have a positive mental attitude. Nothing more practical than that. Food is also very important. Mm -hmm. What else? When necessary, shared bodily warmth. That's the part I like. Is this really what they do in Siberia? Yes, but not how they do it. Expect me to talk? This film has some people in it. Does it? Oh wow, I've not noticed. <laughs> Starring. Blah, blah, blah. Hey, what's that cracking sound? Okay, who's... Yeah, that's my little notebook, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she does all her own foley work, you know. I do. Anyway, starring blah, 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 Richard Keel, Gut Jurgens, Caroline Munro, written by Christopher Wood and Richard Maybaum, with a score by Marvin Hamlish, which we'll talk about later on. Directed by Lewis Gilbert and released in 1977. So, what do we make of the movie? Uh, Dave, what do you think? I'm going to let you start first. Okay. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> <laughs> I really, really wanted to like this, and I sort of have to. But, yeah, I've got problems with this as we go through it. It's, it's kind of... It's all the best bits of Roger Moore as, a, as, a, as James Bond and all kind of the worst bits as well in the same film. And it's quite a schizophrenic experience. Uh, <laughs> it's, I mean, really, when, when you look at the first two films, I thought were, as much as I didn't like The Man with the Golden Gun, and this is better than The Man with the Golden Gun, I thought Roger Moore was particularly good in the first two, looked the part, and I was a lot more positive going forward. Uh, now I've sort of been reminded why I've got problems with him. This and Moonraker are the most sort of Roger Moore, if you like, <laughs> because after that you get to For Your Eyes Only, which is very different, and then his last two, he's an old man. Um, 
I yeah, I'm going to sort of just leave it at that for the minute. We'll get to it as we go through the film. Very very mixed experience, and I can almost highlight the point in the film where it just takes a big nosedive. You kind of you mentioned like Roger was an old man later on. I mean, he's is he is it 49 years in this film? It, um... uh, this film, he was born in 37. So for most of the filming, he would have been sorry. He was born in 27. For most of the filming, he would have been 49. Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking because. And it was released on the 7th of the 7th, 77. All the 7s. So about three months before he would have turned 50. This is a summer release. But yeah, it's kind of like. He doesn't look that bad. No, he looks a bit older, but he has has aged visibly in between. I actually think he looks shocking compared to the last film. And having seen Moonraker only in about the last two months, I mean, it's long enough ago, ago that I definitely need to refresh ready for next week. But I, I've, I saw it about eight weeks ago, I think. He looked better in Moonraker. So it isn't just age. I think it's partly fitness as well. He's a little bit, just a little bit overweight. You really notice it when he's in that, uh, what's the guy he goes to see for the microfiche after um, Fekish dies? Where they go into the bar. Oh, yeah. The, yeah you the can guy see he meets there, there's a side-on shot of him. And I just looked at him and thought, yeah, you, you are starting to look too old. But I am aware that in Moonraker, only two years later, he looked better. Apart from the yellow jumpsuit, he wears a lot of black, doesn't he? So It's very stylish. He, yes, he does. That's not just for, you know, to, mm. for flattering, but... <laughs> very mixed experience, and I'm, I'm going to say a lot of good things earlier on in the film, because I, I actually think this film is terrific for its first 45 minutes or so, um, and I really thought I really thought my road to Damascus moments were continuing, it's like, oh my god, I like this too. Ooh. But it, it it kind of drops away later on, quite alarmingly. But yeah, it starts very very well. Chris, what about you? Uh, well, for me, this is the quintessential Roger Moore film. I think it's the more, most um, the stereotypical Roger Moore. It's, it's 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 the it's the best example of of what Roger Moore did as James Bond, and it's the one that he's more famous for. And I think it's isn't the most. I think I think it's most. It's the film that's like most deemed to most hearts. I mean, like Birmingham Becker. I think it's Becker's favorite, isn't it? It's yes. probably one of my yeah favorites of the whole. I mean, I, I have problems with it as well. For me, it's a film of two halves, pretty much. But um, yeah, it's probably for me the highlight of the Roger series. Yeah, I mean, when it when it's good, it's terrific. Yeah, I mean, it does look great. I mean, that's one of the things I realized that like some of the shots do look fucking beautiful. Are really like nicely done, but. Particularly some of the stuff that in Egypt I thought was really kind of, really kind of really nicely set. Uh, but you know, it's a feels it feels a bit over overlong. Uh, I I don't really like the performance of the lead girl in it. Um, just I just think she's wooden and but um, <laughs> I yeah I, and I think that well I think ultimately that fails the story because what we're basically being sold is almost like a the a bond in love almost kind of thing you know which doesn't really come across but you know it it's entertaining um it does its job and it and it and i think it uh goes for the typical bond cliches which isn't a bad thing in my book you know we you know we get a full um should i say bond, uh, bond villain layer and a big sort of like you know assault attack sort of thing set piece at the end so yeah, it's you know it's it's pretty it's a pretty solid entry in my book. 
Yeah, it had a very troubled production history. Um, the, the, the making of this film, was, well, it's a miracle it came out as well as it did. I mean, I do want to stress, and I'm, I'm certainly not going to be too defensive as we go through this, quite happy to say what I think, but I must say at the outset, overall, I pretty much enjoy it. I think the first, I, I didn't do a time check, but for argument's sake, the first hour is superb. But um, it's a real troubled production history. It's the first one since Harry Saltzman departed. Now, he and Cubby Broccoli were not on overly good terms in the in later years of their relationship, and they were taking it in turns to sort of lead produce. Doesn't mean the other guy wasn't involved at all, but um, yeah, Cubby Broccoli had done the man with the golden gun. Harry Saltzman had led on Live and Let Die. Harry Saltzman was was trying to diversify. Cubby Broccoli was happily making Bond films. Saltzman went off and made the Harry Palmer films as well. Um, and he was investing in various things on the New York Stock Exchange and lost a lot of money. He was very profligate with money as well. And so he ended up having to sell his share in Eon Productions uh, in the lead up to this film. So that's one point. Firstly, you've got the break of the very acrimonious breakup. Uh, acrimonious in the uh, hammering out the details and Cubby Broccoli's now got to work with United Artists who own the other half. You've also got the problem that I did say that the Thunderball story would come back and here we are. The 10 years were up in 1975 and Kevin McClory surfaces again and the original draft of this film had Blofeld in it. It was pretty bad timing really. To kind of bring, you know, like, I don't know, we'll bring Blofelt, bring Brofelt back in just when our uh, contract is up. You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's just yeah. like... Um... Well, the first time he can bitch about this, I mean, well, no, he couldn't make th- he couldn't make another Thunderball remake for 10 years. I mean, if they'd launched... I mean, they, <laughs> they have had Blofeld in the films in the interim. So there isn't necessarily... It isn't necessarily because the 10 years are up. But... At the same time, you've got to think that's got something to do with him putting his head back above the parapet. From 1975 onwards, he's trying to make James Bond of the Secret Service with Sean Connery. Um, I'm not going to tell that story now. We'll tell that story as the in the build-up to um, Never, Never Seen Ever Again. Never Seen. Sorry. Yeah. <gasps> Beautiful Don't say that song. Yet. <laughs> Love it. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, we'll talk more about Kevin McClory. But the fact is, there was an th- injunction threatened. Uh, so the script needed hastily reworking, and hence we end up with Strongberg, who oh, Strongbow, uh, Strongbow. Who, <laughs> Strongbow. <laughs> the are available. He knows he's called Strongberg. It was a slip of the tongue, but um, not. I'm like drinking. Um, I think it was a mixture of Strongberg. Uh, Strongberg is a mixture of like Strongbow and Carlsberg. Yeah. <laughs> the other thing you got to remember, of course, is the last film relatively underperformed. It dropped back from. 162 for uh, Live and Let Die, down to 97. Very, very anemic. And at the US box office, it was the worst performing Bond film since Dr. No, as I recall. That is from memory. Um, So the stakes are very high now. Is Bond still relevant? We're in Silver Jubilee year. A British woman wins Wimbledon. And a bit like all the build-up to Skyfall, hopes are high for this. And... um, they really throw the money at it as well. This they doubled the budget from last week. Which they, is quite a bold now, move, really. It's just like you know, that's just like one last real chance. doubling down of it. Cubby Broccoli must have been under such pressure at this time. 
Christopher Woods, relatively unknown in Bond circles, hasn't written before. And the other thing, of course, the other thing, sorry to go on, but just giving you the background to this, is Guy Hamilton was attached to this film. This was going to be Guy Hamilton again, uh, which blows my mind, considering two of his last three have been dreadful. But they want to go Hamilton again. And he disappears off, and we will cover this again in God knows how long time when we get to it. He goes off to film Superman the movie. More on that when we cover Superman, because as you all probably know, he didn't end up making Superman the movie. <laughs> Thank God. So now you've got, what do you do? Terence Young isn't ever going to do a Bond film again. You've no. got uh, Peter Hunt is directed to what is still considered at this point a flop and a disappointment. You've only got one Bond director available to you. And I think you want to go with something you know because the stakes are high. So they call back in Lewis Gilbert to basically remake You Only Live Twice. It is pretty much, isn't it? It's the same sort of thing. It's like You Only so Live Twice, but below with the that sea. Long, sorry, with that long preamble, uh, that, that sort of gives you where we were at this point. An expensive film, um, 1.8 of the budget going to build the 007 stage at Pinewood, which we'll get to when we get to the scene. Um, a new production team, effectively, a director who hasn't been behind, ca behind cameras for the Bond films for 10 years. And, yeah, stakes are very high off the back of a relative flop. So, Becca, what, what are your... <laughs> Where do we start with... Uh... The classic Roger Moore entry, then. Where do we start? I think... The classic Roger Moore entry. <laughs> <laughs> this is, like, as you were saying earlier, this that. is, like, most Roger of them all, shall we say. <laughs> this, this is, like, the most... I don't know, it's kind of got the most, the most humour I, 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 Yeah, I, I just love it. It's got the most... Silly. It's got the best names. It's got, like... He's, like, he always knows what that's how he acts. His <laughs> eyebrow. His name's Roger Moore. It's like, come on. <laughs> And, you know, she's Agent Triple X, so that tells you all you need to know. Um, Jaws, you see Jaws, so that's amazing. Yeah, there's something uh, fishy about him. <laughs> it's like he gets his teeth fixed by riveters or something. I was just like, oh my god. But, um, yeah, for me, I mean, it's despite its silliness, um, there's very much a film with two halves, like the first hour and a half is amazing, and then it kind of just all falls down from there. So, But should we, um, should we talk about the amazing pre-title sequence? Yeah, okay, so everyone do this with the hands. <laughs> uh, this, I think, I, I don't know, Chris edits this, but as far as I can imagine, I think it will probably be on the end of the episode after we say goodnight and fade out, hold on, and there will be the Alan Partridge sketch we keep referring to. Yeah, we'll do it, we'll do it. Blood trickles down. <laughs> well, the first thing, of course, is you've got, a new you've got a new gun barrel because we're back to CinemaScope. And unfortunately, due to the quirk of timing as to when they filmed this, Roger Moore is now lumbered with flares for the rest of his brother's <laughs> bond. Everybody in this movie wears flares. Jaws wears flares. Stromberg wears flares. Yeah. Everybody, everybody's doing it. Very stylish. Naomi didn't have uh, flared bikini bombs. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I met Caroline Monroe once. She's lovely. Very happy to meet Did she still have a couple of bee stings? <laughs> I was reading up on the facts about this film, so I was going to do a little factoid se section at the end. All right, we'll get Found it. out that apparently during filming, Caroline Monroe was fortunately stung on her behind by a bee. So there's a scene where she's got a particularly stern expression on her face, and it's due to the fact that she had a bee sting on her bum, and she was in quite a lot of pain, bless her. 
So if you um if you go through our Twitter feed and use the hashtag is it T S W L M I can't I'm a bit dyslexic sorry um and you'll find this factoid on our live tweet that we did of the film. Yeah, as I say, she told me she had a bee sting, and I I, th- I thought of a couple of bee stings, and I'm looking at her chest thinking no, she doesn't. But anyway, <laughs> well, I'm never behind. But yeah, we didn't see that. So. I have to say this <laughs> might but this might just be the best pre-title sequence in the entire series. It's amazing. Uh, and it's very well crafted. I mean, I, I will say if I was going to critique it, it's probably more down to the fact that I'm just so used to it. Uh, I'm... But it's not the stunt. It gets talked up for a stunt. But I actually it's... just think it's so logically and cleverly edited together. It is really well crafted. The, the order in which you see things is just perfect. It, it, it sets everything up for the film perfectly. You get introduced to, uh, you, get, well, you get a sense of what the main villain is doing. So you get like a, you know, you, you, you get to a little hint of what's what's to happen. You get introduced to Triple X. You get introduced, you know, well, at the same time, introduced to uh, her lover who Bond eventually kills. And then you get introduced cool. to, you get, it's just a Bond and Bond, like, gets chased and kills, you know, Triple X's, uh, like, lover or yeah, boyfriend or whoever. You also get two of the very few. One-liners from the Roger Moore era, I find funny. We're in, uh, well, we're in, we're in the penultimate Bernard Lee film here now. So in two, in two, three weeks' time, when Chris starts saying what scene do we have, I will be pushing it when I say Bernard Lee. Bernard uh, particularly Lee. when it's Never Say Never Again, and he wasn't even in that. Uh, <laughs> that's even the wrong franchise. Um, but it's the but yeah. Tell him to pull out immediately. <laughs> was fun. <laughs> right. But he does it with such a straight face. Time to put out immediately. Like, I know, and you know what? You know what's pardon the pun coming as well. It's really, yeah. And of course, then it cuts to a log cabin, and yes, he's with a lady. And we've got to stop ourselves doing that. But of course, uh, but James, I need you. So does England. Is a fantastic line, and I laughed out loud at that. And there's only one other line outside uh, from, from the rest of the Bond series that he was in that I find funny, and we'll get to it when we get to that film, because we haven't got to it yet. So, um, yeah, I think it's a fantastic pre-title. It's just cut together absolutely expertly by John Glenn, future director. The film is clearly a step up in look from last week. It's, it's a much more attractive film. And it finishes, and it's just, it's got, it, it feels like Roger Moore's Bond done right at this point. It's it's funny. It's got a bit of action in it. He's romancing as well. It's everything his Bond is, and it's a, it, all wrapped in this really attractive package. And then it finishes with a stunt that is quite tongue in cheek because if you're a spy, I doubt you've got a union jack. <laughs> your, uh, no, your parachute that might not be good. Who are you working for? Mystery, isn't it? <laughs> Gives you a clue. But apparently, that um, that flag isn't entirely accurate as well. So that's one part of it that's wrong. So, so when they say, oh, you're clearly a British agent, he can point at it and go, well, no, that wrong's, that's not accurate. That's, that's... <laughs> there's one part of it that isn't, I don't know. Yeah. Factoid that I read. But yeah, no, it's, it gives the whole game away. But mm. I think and you've got Bond 77 as well, which is just a really cool piece of music. Yeah, with um, loads of cowbell. Yeah, I need more cowbell. Well, you've got enough cowbell now. Yeah. But no, it's just really kind of, there's a very kind of, I don't know, is it disco? I'm not sure. It's kind of really kind of, it is a bit disco, um, isn't it? It's a bit it? disco-y storm. It's, it's, it's not as bad as Fiori's Only. Um, it's not as great. I know, I think it out disco as Fiori's Only, to be honest with you. Yeah, but it's more of a it, kind of... You know, it's, it's proper, like, funky beat to it. You can kind of picture yourself dancing. Funky, that's the word, definitely. 
to go with glitter balls and flares and all the rest of it. That's a pop-up. Mm. <laughs> Yeah. What was that? Did that again? <laughs> yeah. No, but you know that kind of bass, kind of like you know, it's very much lively kind of beat for most of it. Um, so yeah, I, I think it it out discos for uh, for you guys only. <laughs> and I also love as well. It, it does have its tongue in its cheek. Not only have you got the Union Jack on the uh, parachute, but Gogol is in the world's biggest office. It's huge, isn't it? He's it's got fast. this. He's got this reasonably. He's got a table. It must about be the fucking freezing in that place. Yeah, the teeny Sorry? tiny window in the corner. It must be fucking freezing in that place. Yeah, I mean, this room is something like the size of centre court. It's massive. <laughs> it's just, and it's got. It's just sat it's in got there. nothing in it as well. I don't think no, there's the any other furniture window. in the room. Yeah, it's, it's a bit like it's going to be an open plan office, and only his desk has been set up yet. It's like yeah, it's just like he's just moved in and just like oh, I've just not finished setting up the. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's the KGB. Well, it's meant to look quite grim and foreboding, isn't it? So compared to M's, you know, plush oak panelled office with the leather doors and paintings on the walls, I'll and start, you know. Isn't it? The other thing I thought of was, was when we told Chris that General Gogol there was Morzini in From Russia With Love. Yeah. He said, I always thought he was really short. And I noticed during this film, and I think I tweeted it yesterday, he doesn't like standing up much, does he? No, whenever you see him, generally he's sat he's down. He's normally sat down. <laughs> um, I don't know why this is. I don't know if it's just a, I don't know, cosmetic don't reason know. or... <laughs> It's probably got nothing to do with anything. But, no, uh, just because he happens to be sat down, fair just, enough. Uh, but yeah, it's a great opening sequence. We meet everyone. We meet Mike. We meet, um, as I say, we meet Triple X. And it's uh, this film, again, we'll get to it a bit later on with my repeating problem with the way um, the more films portray not only women, but this sort of, oh, my God, look, she's half competent attitude. That, that you get. I mean, this is supposed to be a massive shock when she's the agent. Yeah, she, it turns out that she's triple X rather than... Yeah. She's, she's busy being done it. by a bloke with a really hairy back. He's really hairy. Yeah, he is. I just noticed. Michael Billington was in the frame for uh, Live and Let Die. He was, yeah. He, look, he looks the part, so... Yeah, he does look the part. And, of course, Bond shoots him just before he does that sort of backward somersault, which he's not showing off. No, he never shows uh, up in that scene at all. I'm not sure why, but he's not showing off. <laughs> um, it's a good stunt. I mean, when anyone talks about The Spy Who Loved Me, they talk about the stunt. Uh, that, to me, isn't... That's just the sort of... That's just the sort of cherry on the top. I just think I just think it... The, the, the whole... The plot of the film has been laid out, which is basically the plot of You Only Live Twice, but with submarines instead of rockets. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we've met... We've met M's equivalent, and we're quite clear. We've met Bond's equivalent. Um, we've made it very clear Bond has killed uh, her love interest. And, yeah, and it, we've been introduced to the fact that Roger Moore has now put just about enough of a stamp that there's a bit more humour in this, although that might be the return of Lewis Gilbert as well. Yeah, he's got more kind of swagger in the role now, hasn't he? It's kind of this confirms that he is Bond, so... Well, Lewis Gilbert said something like, when he came on board, he said that he wanted to correct what he thought was a flaw in the way they'd uh, characterised Roger's Bond. It was too close to Sean Connery, which I'd agree with that. But then he said, I wanted to take it more back to the um, 
books smooth with a good sense of humour. And I'm thinking, which fucking books did you read? <laughs> did you accidentally read fucking Wilt or something? <laughs> you know, this is not, that's not the literary bond, but certainly... It's certain, more Roger Moore. Lewis Gilbert Aww. took Roger Moore, allowed Roger Moore to stamp his own interpretation on the role. Definitely. I think this is probably one of the funniest films as well. It's it's a lot more confident. Confident is the word, Chris. Yeah, it's it's what more like you can tell Rogers being more himself. It's more what he's best at. Mm. Uh, whereas that before on the other side, they were trying to playing around with the kind of like the roughness. You know, I know I've said like, oh, you know, I like a good hard Roger. <laughs> <laughs> but um, <laughs> yeah, and, and I do. But <laughs> but, <laughs> but that that's them like kind of playing off like it kind of sort of play off a bit of Connery with his own mix and, and I think by this time they figured uh, just be you Roger, just, just yeah yeah, just be yourself he wasn't entirely not himself in the previous films I mean, he, he live and let die like you said at the time when he sort of pulled away and it's like, just stay here, I'll be right back you know, they, they did play lighter with him from the start, but I struggled to see anywhere in The Man with the Golden Gun where you would have got, James I need you so does England That no. that is very much the spy who loved me in it Right from the Union Jack opening, as I say, it's Silver Jubilee year. This is, again, a bit like Spectre and Skyfall in, in some ways. This is a celebration of Bond and, and Britain in a lot of ways. Yes, yeah, so it, it is Roger's Skyfall. It is, pretty much. It is, yeah. Um, so so then we so we have the you know this big jump off the cliff and the parachute opening up of the Union Jack. Uh, and then we get the, the title sequence. What do you reckon to this then? Is it there's lots of girls swinging off lugers and Roger Moore shooting them all down dead? And you think, oh, <laughs> they've got a, they've got a touch more risque, haven't they? The, the nudity is a lot more obvious in this sequence. Yeah, I, I wasn't obviously looking at it, but it is more obvious. What do you mean you weren't looking at it? We just we just <laughs> you even blindfolded. You can't help but see. She <laughs> was magically whisked away by Carly Simon. I was. So- I was. Um, yeah, you see a lot more uh, Roger and his uh, wrinkly you face. See the whole, yes, you do. <laughs> no, I, I like the song. It's one of my favourite Bond songs. I do like it quite a lot. Yeah, I mean, again, I, it, it's it's not one because it is a good song, but it doesn't sort of. If if you compare it to the other um, Bonds, it, it it stands out. I don't really sound like a Bond song, really. It was quite must have been quite like. Again, a brave choice to kind of go in a completely different direction. At the time, I mean, by the time you follow it up with Sheena Easton and uh, Rita Coolidge and all the rest of it, it, it probably sounds more yeah, as part of the, the the whole piece. But yeah, I mean, it, I suppose you'd had Lulu before, but it was nothing like this. It's um, a different change of direction, isn't it, compared to Lulu, compared to like the campiness of... I think it's a beautiful song. I really, really like it. And I like this title sequence. I was talking to Chris about it earlier, and I'm interested to get Chris's take in a minute. I really like it. I mean, none of this matches anything Daniel Kleinman's done, but it's just got a lovely flow to it. The movement of it's got like a dreamlike quality because it goes along with the music, which is a lot slower. Um, And it's just got some lovely little flourishes in it. I I really do quite like this. I think it's kind of uh, enhanced by the song. Uh, I think it's kind of okay uh, at times. It just feels the, like pretty much like a like what, what's been done before with uh, uh, who, who's who's the, who's the fellow is it is it, who's the fellow who, who does the title sequence at the moment? Maurice Spinder. It's, it's very much like what he's done previously, which is very much like oh okay. Just thought it was a little bit more stylish. That's all. 
Yeah, I mean, we had a bit of disagreement before about, like, Roger Moore pushing over a load of, like, soldiers, like, proper paper-made soldiers. I love that. Here's the pacing of it as well, because he stops and he's ready to shoot, and then he changes his mind and strolls over and pushes them over, and it's just so in time with the music. Yeah, (laughs) what was up with that? Uh, Chris doesn't like it. No, it it just looks naff. It's like the way the soldiers are, it just looks like... um... Looks lazy, doesn't it? Not only that, they're all naked. Roger, Roger Moore's James Bond would have just gone over and gone, way. <laughs> and he's but, like, no, um, waft, and they fall over. <laughs> waft. <laughs> <laughs> and, and there's also, there's, there's, a, there's a really odd cut between, like, there's a like, shadow of, like, someone who's meant to be Roger Moore, then it cuts to, oh, it's Roger Moore. It just looks very, like, ah. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, there's a bit where, I mean, the first time you see, the first time in this film that I thought he was, that, yeah, okay, the ageing's really noticeable now. Not it wasn't so much in the pre-total, although he again he did have the Cliff Richard neck when he was in bed with that woman. Oh no! But he, he um. So in what the title exactly is the Cliff Richard neck? up of his eye, and then it pulls back, and he turns his head, and that's where it cuts to a silhouette. That's the sort <laughs> of thing you're on about. But it's a really wrinkled old eye at that point. But um, I, I really like it. Maybe that's just because we're seeing it on Blu-ray, and obviously we can see all the details. I mean, it's like seeing, for example. Um, you can see more more detail about um, Stromberg's like web, webbed hands, for example, like on, at the cinema. Um, I remember seeing this on the big screen a couple of years ago now, um, and it wasn't noticeable. But obviously, seeing it now, like on DVD, it's more in your face, as it were. Well, it should be noticeable on the big screen. It's just knows whether you're looking for looking. No, that's it. It's knows whether you're looking at it or not. So, but um, yeah, I mean, but yeah, as I say, I, I like it. It's not to everyone's taste, but the song's terrific. Well, just to clarify, what exactly is Cliff Richard Neck? <laughs> Uh, look up a picture of well, uh, Deirdre Barlow would be just as. Oh. <laughs> so is it? It's old turkey neck. Yeah, mm. pretty much. <laughs> okay, so coming out of the title sequence. Next. <laughs> no, well, what, what do we cut to? We cut to. Uh... I thought we cut to. Do, don't we cut to? Um, don't we cut to uh, Gogol and Anya? We do. We find out how. Uh, well, he reports the un- untimely death. Of Sergey, I can't even say his name. Is it Sergey Bardzov? Yeah, which is very sad. Hmm. Yeah, um, and and she does, uh, and with Barbara back, she's either indifferent, delighted, really upset, angry, f- furious, or um, playful. We can't you never tell know. You because never know. the expression's the same for all of those. <laughs> well, well she's playing Russian and she's very straight. That's what it is. It's the accent. I'm not. I've not seen her in much else, so I wouldn't know. But she's fucking dreadful in this. In her line deliveries, more than anything else, because they're all really flat. Her accents all over the place a little bit. Like some where she's like, does a you know Russian accent, and then some where she's kind of more American. It's like it goes all around. You know, all around the world. So yeah, she should. I, I, do, think, I do think Triple X is, great, a, you know, is a great character. Geordie. Sorry, Dave. I said it would have been great if she'd replied in Geordie. <laughs> 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 why, yeah, yeah, man. <laughs> Burst into tears and just like talked like Gaza. <laughs> um, I'm really sort of how are you, man? Come on. And your thing because it, it, I like the I like the character in concept. Uh, I think she's a very attractive woman. I think they dress her well. I think her plot is kind of interesting. All things being equal, she'd rank quite high. But this performance doesn't do it any favours. 
No, I mean like the the, the script by the end doesn't do her favors. It kind of like no. fro- it kind of like throws any potential any good things she has, but mm. like she you know she's set up as like kind of like the female equal or bond. And Which is a cliche now, but this was quite new at the time. Yeah, yeah. But Tracy it, was Tracy was an equal to him in a lot of ways mentally, but we're talking about an agent here, and not just like Wei Lin later on where she can fight a bit. We're talking about a rounded. Well, Wei Wei Lin, Wei Lin is like the, is 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 handled better. I'll be honest with you. Wei Lin yeah, is. No, I agree. Better. I think she's too. But what I'm saying, well, yeah, actually, when we get to Die Another Day, because a lot of the thing, oh, not Die Another Day, Tomorrow Never Dies, because a lot yeah. of the things in both films is sometimes she's half a step ahead of him. Yeah. But that's, but that in Die, in Tomorrow Never Dies, it's to the point that she starts making Bond look a bit incompetent, which is not really what you're supposed to be doing. No. Here, it's a bit more of a sort of duel to get there first. Um, and they're relatively evenly matched. But it, it goes really well until a certain scene later on, and then the, the film and, and her characterization starts to fall apart. But it's set up quite nicely. And we've got this, a very similar plot to You Only Live Twice, that basically a power, and it could have been Spectre, but it's not, it's uh, Stromberg, has stolen basically a couple of uh, submarines, and each side sort of thinks the other's done it and so on. So yeah, so basically they both go uh, investigating, investigation, investigation in finding this uh, kind of microfilm, which I you can't, which you can always like pronounce. I can always pronounce it in the way Tim Tim Curry does in Loaded Weapon, the microfilm. Microfilm. <laughs> Where is the microfilm? Uh, <laughs> sorry, just a little side note for Loaded Weapon fans. Got <laughs> <laughs> it. I yeah. mean, that's going to be a pretty small subset of <laughs> not massive listener basis. It's extremely <laughs> small. But I like it, whatever. It's got Tim Korean. I, mm. I am the worst enigma. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so basically, go and like, chase this uh, microfilm. We get in- we get introduced uh, to, the, to the villain who's got webbed hands. Um, it's never really focused on because apparently they, they looked awful. So it just kind of pushed no, it aside. because he's. You know, he's very much into the sea and marine conservation, apparently. So, they have not uh, bothered with this character at all. No, they're not. You, you don't know about it because it's um. There's going to be something involving. Wasn't there um his plot basically involved? He's going to blow up the world because you know they're polluting the Earth's oceans or something. Uh, yeah, and he'll be under the sea in Atlantis and a new world order or stop a start. Yeah. Sorry, not stop. Well, um, it's very, it's very like Drax's plot in the next film. Yeah, it's but, basically. But Drax's it actually makes more sense because he goes actually to. Have has has like kind of like a small population of people to build that, and his plan is to destroy the world. We just get some... a bit more time with Drax. Even even little things like and we'll talk about it next week, but even little things like him playing the piano and stuff. We don't get much of Stromberg. We get him sat eating a dinner in front of some you know a fish tank, a little bit well not a fish tank, but a, a window it's to the tank. sea, a bit a bit Doctor No style. Um, and he basically kills off the people who got him, helped him get the, um, the, the yeah, basically, yeah, the, the, the sort of where, where the uh, submarines were travelling. Uh, he kills his own secretary with a handily placed shark. And that's about it. I, I, do, never, I, do, I do love that death scene because it's like death by shark rubbing a nose against the person's body. <laughs> 
Yeah, you, you didn't really see much, do you? you? Kind of just see a bit like the shark kind of nuzzling her, and then yeah. all of a sudden. I mean, it is basically a throwback to Uranus twice with the piranhas, really. But it's, pretty much. Um, yeah, it's a bit lazy, and uh, but it's it's just. I mean, I don't know how you guys feel about Stromberg, but I, I think he's one of the weaker aspects of this film. Kurt Jurgens had a pretty decent filmography and a pretty decent career, but I think he's really, really forgettable in this. No, he's, I mean he's, yeah, he's a brilliant actor. Sort of done many other films, but I think in terms of Bond villain, just think mm, it's just basically you know it's basically let's capture a load of you know warheads and hold the world to ransom type job you know so it's pretty much but it, it doesn't really here. make sense i mean like okay his plan is what to use two nuclear weapons to blow up what two cities yeah new york and moscow and then it was set off a war sort of thing okay yeah but would that guarantee like the destruction of the entire world i mean it's not really well thought out it's like okay you i mean no, it just, it just sort of assumes that it will. Yeah, you're probably better off going to space, getting right out of the way, and then giving it rich. Yeah, just like sort of uh, planting a big virus that will kill everyone. Which, uh, that, to me, that makes more sense. Yeah, but I mean, the plot is what it is. I mean, it's, my problem isn't really the plot. It's a very typical Bond plot. I just think this this guy, as cast and characterised, is not particularly interesting. No, it's, it's not the most memorable Bond villain, but I think for me, like this film, you've got the constant one-upmanship between... Bond and Triple X, which I think is amazing, and the constant tensions, but yeah, excuse me, tension between them <laughs> is kind of what makes this film tick. Yeah, it gives like a, like a, a strong presence, but it's not like it's not given anything memorable. It's like it felt like the the webbed hands was kind of like an afterthought, and it, again, it doesn't really make sense. Okay, why has he got webbed hands? Because it's no, like, it's never it's explained. Like, it's meant to be like a big typical thing for a Bond villain to have some sort of deformity of some description. Because yeah, like, he's into aquatic things. Yeah, he's, just... he's part man, part fish. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, on, on first viewings, I didn't realise he had webbed hands because it's never even addressed. No, no it's I mean, not. There's, 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 there's you do like... get some close-ups of his hands when he's working like buttons and so on. We don't find out why he's got webbed hands. There's a brief thing about like, oh, he doesn't like to shake hands, and then when Roger Moore goes to shake hands, he doesn't. He's like, okay, I remember that. But everything about him's an afterthought. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I do wonder if that is production history. Although, I mean, they didn't literally just take the Spectre plot and just substitute with Stromberg. I mean, there was a bit more of a fundamental rework than that. But certainly, this film is all about its henchmen on that side of things. Jaws is definitely the most interesting. I, I, before, before we move on to like I do, I do wonder. You know the bit where he blows up the helicopter with those two guys in. Yeah. Um, I did think like, well, well, that was a bit unnecessary. Why, why didn't he just shoot them all? <laughs> it's like, and the whole, whole process. And also, what about the poor pilot? It's like, what's he done? Uh, not only that, they they go into like a, a an elevator that would have dropped them straight into a shark tank. <laughs> yeah. So why but instead blow up a, a helicopter worth tens of thousands of pounds? Yeah, I know, so, but, yeah, that, that scene like from view from the helicopter does look very shoddy. Yeah, very strange. Yeah, yeah. again, it's like you know, twice. It's like that's a great camera he's got. Yeah. <laughs> Cameras everywhere across the ocean. <laughs> very bizarre. Uh, so Bond is um, Bond ends up going to Cairo, doesn't he? Bond in Egypt. This is amazing. Yeah. And, and and he must I must say he does dress in the robes and with with very good casuality. Yes, he goes to see an old uh, contact from university uh, to be able. It, and it's basically to it, it's going to see the man who will lead him to the man who will lead him to the man. That's the the basic plot device there. Uh, 
Yeah. Um, like and the- he basically gets to screw a rather too young, <laughs> rather put upon sex slave. This is really classy. It's very classy Bond. That's one of my favourite lines, because again, he it says it was line. such a straight face. He's like, you know, when one is in Egypt, you must delve deeply into his treasures, and it's completely straight face, and you think, oh, cringe. You do wonder how many takes that took, because <laughs> I wouldn't have been able to deliver that without laughing. But <laughs> I, um, I hope one, <laughs> one take. So he's told to go and find, uh, is it Cowper? Cowper. Cowper. Max Cowper. Um, so... Yeah, he goes. He goes to the, this place where he's met by someone who's basically to entertain him oh, while he's Shandab. waiting. Okay. Who's Sorry. <laughs> uh, not Faye Dunaway? No, it looks like it, but it isn't. Mm. And then she gets shot by uh, henchman number two. Yeah, and she screams first because I think she's she's already Roger Moore's James Bond, and we will see it next week when women just spontaneously orgasm vaguely near him. Um, <laughs> this week we've got as far as she's fallen in love with him based on one slight light kiss, <laughs> because she sees he's about to get shot, and she's like, "No, you know it's personal now." Okay, <laughs> what what I don't know. So was she kind of in on it? Because I, I was a bit confused. I thought. That maybe she was kind of like in it, it meant about leading lead him away, and then got turned, or was she like seeing the guy with a gun and go, oh shit, no, and then. I don't know that she knew, but I don't think the film really thinks about it either. No. It's just someone for Roger to show what he's an amazing love ladies' man against, and then, you know, progress onto a really shit fist fight. I, I, yeah, I don't think Roger, he kind of like, you know, he kind of like, he almost like kind of turns it to the bullet as well. It's like he's a human shield, <laughs> just drops him, just runs out, like, you know. Well, she's done. She runs after like. Yeah, that's the thanks she gets for the early warning. He's about to get shot. Yeah, that's it. No. Oh right. Cheers. <laughs> I like how Jules is um portrayed in the scene because you see him right kind of like more towards the beginning with that Chandor fellow. And he's like, "This is Jules. Obey him." But every time, like before, obviously gets shot, you see like an extreme close up of of his eyes, and you don't see much of him apart from that, you know, really early scene. So you kind of like drip fed jaws a little bit, which I think is very clever. Mm. I, I don't I don't always notice that when I watch this. No, I just, I just noticed it upon this viewing, and I've seen it yeah. a times. Because I mean, Jaws is a bit later on, as I recall. Yeah. Obviously, he he's been told he needs to find a guy called Fakesh. Yeah. Um, and of course, he's now it's Cabo who's going to lead him to Fakesh. And they're now on the, but of course, Cabo's tried to kill him. So they're now on the roof having a very Roger Moore standard fist fight. Oof! So lo- oof, oof. lots of oof and occasionally hands going slightly into judo chop mode. Yeah. Um, I mean, he, he does do the typical sort of uh, grab, grab, uh, grab something from, from on top and use both feet to kick the guy. It's just yeah. like, I, mean, I wouldn't compare him to, like, obviously, Karen's to Spectre. But he's, mm. the guy that he's fighting must be like a wrestler or something because he's. Yeah, I think he is. He's, he's he's actually for an in, from India. Uh, okay. I can't remember, but um, yeah, but he, he was kind of like what like a body bodybuilder wrestler. Yeah, like well, a pro wrestler. Uh, he's like, oh my god. Yeah, but uh, but but this kind of ends and uh, I mean, yeah, we, we talk about Roger being like um, kind of like a softer Bond, you know, and like he, he's not really sort of cold hearted killer, but he does plenty of cold hearted killing. I'll, I'll, I'll be honest. I mean, he does it a couple of times here in this film alone. He's quite deadly in this film, isn't he? And like, and he's got he's got this guy holding on holding on to his tie for dear, like dear life, asking for information. He gives him the information and just chops him away. To yeah, that's mm. one of his cold-hearted moments. Apart from when he kicks. 
What a, what a helpful chap. What a I helpful think it's the lack of venom about him as he does it. Yeah. I mean, when he kicks the when he kicks the car off the cliff. Yeah. There's a there's a direct relationship to why he's doing that yeah. and what led up to it, and there's a real venom about him as he does it. But Whereas he here, much. even when he is kind of vicious, there's kind of a flippancy to it. Yeah. Yeah, that's what it is. So, uh, I just thought I'd notice how there's no music in that fight scene. It's basically you've got the you've got the scenes of, oh yeah, you know, like yeah, it's like like yeah, footsteps and oof. <laughs> and what'd you go oof? <laughs> It's not the best idea to um, highlight at this point that Roger's now at the sort of age where he probably makes quite a noise getting out of an armchair. <laughs> you know? Um, but no, I mean, dropping the sound out is perfectly valid. It, it's not a bad scene. I just I tend to zone out of Roger Moore fist fights because they all look exactly the fucking same. The I sort of said this last week as well, that, or certainly I've said it during the Roger Moore era today, that... At this point, it's still a bit more of him than stuntmen than I was expecting. There are shots where you think, oh, it's got to be a stuntman. And when you look at it, it isn't. But, yeah, it, <laughs> action is a means to an end with, with, with this particular incarnation of James Bond because we haven't got an actor who's fantastically good at it. No, as you, as you go along, you do notice that the stunts and running in particular is done by a younger, fitter man. <laughs> but, um, no, I, just, I think kind of in this sort of scene, there's like a quite a, you know a brutal fist fight um having no music um can be quite can be quite effective i think there's large chunks of this film that are left unscored just for dramatic um i don't know, dramatic effects or not which i think is, is is interesting i think i'm not a music expert we'll have to maybe get charlie on again but um yeah i just think it's an interesting element to to look at really i, I don't know about you but i kind of prefer like fist fights to kind of not have um score or not too much score because i think it is it's a lot more effective i think yeah you, kind of, you, you feel it more i think well i certainly do anyway you feel more kind of like mm, the the brutality and the physicality I mean, even going back to like before russia with love the the fist fights there the, the, the was actually you know charlie was on that on that episode was uh on, on the music episode was talking about there was actually a score for that but they decided not to use it because it, it just worked better and and again in inspector you know the yeah, like with Batista, there's no score to that, and you know it's, it's like the the sound the, the the sound effects of like of fists like hitting and crashing and and that and sounds of the fight alone give you enough, you know that you don't need like uh, music because it just wouldn't necessarily work. No, that that kind of visual soundtrack, you don't need music. You don't need then need music on top. So, but anyway, yeah, yeah that's, that, my, that's that film. Oh, sorry, carry on. <laughs> no, I was just saying that's my opinion, but. Uh, <laughs> No, I agree. I agree. <laughs> so he, yeah, um, he gets, uh, yeah, he gets to. He basically, he's next. He's at the pyramids. To get a chance to go to Giza and see the pyramids because that's basically what what uh, Cowboy says. He says, "Where's where's pyramids. pyramids? Pyramids!" So he turns up at the pyramids for a show you've been to, apparently, Becky. You were saying earlier. I have. Yeah, I tweeted. Um, this is well, a couple of years ago now. Before like Arab Spring, and it all kicked off. Um, I did a Nile cruise, which is very lovely. Highly recommend it. Is um, it is it is like as freaky, funky, like giallo, giallo style lighting? It is. It's it's it's, 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 it's giallo style lighting. Like you're like a goblin in the corner going. Like <laughs> <laughs> that. We'll discuss it in a minute, but that particular sting of music does kill the mood in that scene. Mm. But no, yeah, the um, there's an amazing light show. 
um, which basically charts the history and the construction of it. It's done in a really fascinating way. And it hasn't changed a bit <laughs> in the whole, like, what, 30, 40 years? Um, I remember this is the first time I saw about it. And then I obviously found out I was going to go on holiday. I thought, oh, is it real? You know, I must see it. Um, and apparently it hasn't changed. It's The light show is still the same. But it's amazing. So if you ever go to Egypt and get a chance to see it and see the um, and see the pyramids, highly recommend it. Maybe wait till after the um, tension has died down. Yeah, I want to go now. No, you should go. Yeah, it's, it's really good. Um, but it's really weird how like the pyramids are just... Obviously, Cairo is built up around it, so it's very weird, for me, you know, because you kind of expect them to be kind of like out the way. And but it's just the, this amazing city, which is is, is so diverse and and um, culturally and historically interesting, just sprouted up around the pyramids. It's very weird. Mm-hmm. But how, yeah. you know, highly recommend a trip to it- um, Italy to to the Cairo. Yeah, go to Italy and watch <laughs> watch you you only watch uh, of me in uh, with Italian subtitles. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and no, think about how you could have gone to the pyramids if it weren't so expensive. No, that, that's uh, that's our top tip. From do you expect to see the pyramids? If you're a fan of the pyramids, go to Italy and watch this film in Italian or with Italian subtitles. Don't do that. Go to Egypt and see the pyramids. Sorry. Or alternatively, you could go to the pyramids. I thought this. And was hopefully, quite, Jaws uh, won't kill you. Sorry. And hopefully, Jaws won't kill you. Well, no. he's unlikely to now. Well, that is um, that sort of scene where they're, they're pursuing each other, you know, around the back of the light show. Um, great. There's a kind of there's, there's a thing where obviously where you see the light projection of Jaws' face, and it's, it's very scary. And as you, say, as you say, Chris, like Jello, kind of in that style. Um, but that particular music sting does. As I remember seeing it on the big screen a couple of years ago, and everyone laughed unintentionally at that scene. You think, oh. It, I mean, it, it is, is odd because I remember watching this when I was, when I was a young kid for the first time, and there was like a quite sort of scariness to Jaws um, and yeah because it, 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 it does it, when he starts off he is a really threatening character and this is kind of like his big reveal as like well uh, it, it is actually going to uh, come on to that I mean we'll, we'll come back to this scene but it, it comes onto the scene that I think almost kills the film and it definitely kills Jaws as a threat and it's a tonally confused film thereafter I think he's really quite effective here yeah he is yeah but he, yeah, but when he's introduced, he is like kind of scary, and it's like you know we we slowly sort of when the light sort of goes dark and he's like there and like this green light just there like almost like a little fan like a little terrifying phantom, like a phantom just sort of creeping up and you can tell you can tell he's there to kill the um, feckish um, and yeah it's and 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 also like the Feckish's response to him is like clearly he's like clearly terrified. I'm not sure what locking himself in a. <laughs> in a... No, what yeah, you no. want to do is go somewhere very very small and cornered, because Jaws really can't. I mean, he's he's not a fast mover, is he? No, no. Well, he, does, he does like kind of like sort of nip out here and there at times in the film, but yeah, he he's not like known for that. But uh, you think. You know, if if it was me, like, like you, you sort of think, oh shit, there's Jaws. You think, hang on, I'm sat, I'm sat like amongst like a shitload of people. I think I'll stay where I am, right? Now. <laughs> <laughs> Rather than like run away when no one is, no one's no. around. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but yeah, a very very effective introduction, and and also we see Anya here as well. And firstly, she's again. It's not helped by the actress, or perhaps it is in a strange kind of way. She's quite unflappable. 
you know, when when she sees what Jaws does and when she sees Bond attacked, she's kind of quite laid back about it. But then the actress isn't very emotive. Well, she's not anyway. bothered, really, is she? So I've got no idea if this was deliberate or not. Um, but what I also like in this and the next scene is that they've got there via different means. They've all got their own contacts. Bond used someone he was at college with to refer him to somebody else and they get there. Mm -hmm. She's got there, presumably. She will have different contacts in different parts of the world. I was quite interested by that. They only sort of come by each other a little bit down the line. Yeah, they're not kind of like following each other per se, are they, I guess? Not until here. Yeah, no, the, the the paths are kind of linked here, aren't they? And uh, I mean, I, I do kind of like the character at this point because there's, there's still element of mystery. She's kind of like she's almost like she she's calmly fig figuring what what stuff is without panicking. She's like, okay, yeah. oh, that's yeah. interesting. Oh, well, it's this British agent, and then like the, yeah. the two Russian mates attack him, and yeah, as as another oof fight. Every time you hear him being punched, she goes oof. <laughs> it it really is. It's the sound of Roger Moore. It's like ooh, it's um, his hernia being knocked is. back in. <laughs> Pierce Brosnan has his pain face. Um, Roger Moore oh, has God, his Pierce Brosnan's pain face. There's a few faces he pulls as well that you may not have noticed, and once you notice them, you can't unnotice them. <laughs> when we get to Pierce Brosnan, I will point out some of them. All his pain face. Kind of ruins his bond actually. What's his pain <laughs> face? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas, uh, See, all I can think of that is like is uh, is Pierce attached to that chair in the the world is not enough where he's like yeah you you see it like that's that's or you see you see it in the plane in Tomorrow Never Dies at the start and there's a few places like that where he's you know anytime he had to show pain he he pulls this really odd expression <laughs> odd it's like great teeth gritting you know mouth like sort of really as if he's basically like, he looks like he's being strangled whether he is or not. No. <laughs> Whatever the pain is, even if like you know a bee stung his bum, I think <laughs> he, he, he looks like he's being strangled. Oh, <laughs> it's quite amusing. Yeah. There's probably quite a few like Facebook groups dedicated to it, which is a good laugh. <laughs> I wonder. I wonder what um, Craig's pain face is. I don't know. I have to pay more attention to that when we come to review his films. Probably not gurning. I imagine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if that was literally true it'd be brilliant was he gurning oh dear pop his teeth out and gurn <laughs> uh, um, so yeah the next scene is, what, what's the guy what's the name of the guy who's actually got the microphone so Fekish is killed by Jaws what's yes. the name of the guy who's actually got the microphone Becca I can never remember oh god do um, you remember he's the owner of the bar that they end up with is it and Mac Anya's is, there is, as well. That Max Calber, yeah. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. I thought Calber was. Um... Oh no, because he goes to see Fakesh, and Fakesh will lead no, him Fekesh, to No, Fakesh. No, Calber was before. Ah, uh, okay. I might have to look it up on IMDb. <laughs> no, it's Calber. It's Calber. It's Calber. Yeah. We saw this film yesterday. What? Well, yeah, I saw it. I saw it the day before as well. <laughs> as well. <laughs> I've watched this a lot recently, but. Um, hang on a minute, I've got to look these guys up. I thought the bald guy was called Cabba. Oh no, the, the, the bald guy that Bond fights um, is called Chandor. Oh no, no, you've got oh, Chandor, Chandor and Calba. Yeah, 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 yeah. I got it, you're absolutely right. So, yeah, so they go to the bar there. The and we, Club. Get, we get the first reference to Tracy since Majesties. 
yeah, yeah oddly seeing Christmas. trying to redcon that film by that point Oh, yeah, it's because you're hunting, isn't it? Well, no, it just feels weird. It's like, it must be like, again, like kind of a brave move to see it while seen as at, at a time, everyone that that's a film that no one liked back then. And um, they were trying to read comments, so we kind of think, oh, well, okay, they're trying to actually make reference to that actually happened. You know, it's. Um, yeah. But I, I, I like it. Again, it's another like uh, thing of Roger Moore to say, like, you know, uh, don't you think you've made your point? It's all right. You've made your point about certain things, and he's he's quite calm about it, but he's fairly you know firm about it too. Mm. And um, what do, I just yeah, I like this as well because I can always hear that uh, money penny story from uh, Doctor No about you know them spending the weekend away when he was a tea boy because it's <laughs> this bit of narration I imagine retconned James yeah. Bond recruited from the Royal Navy to make the tea. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's just it's just how much intelligence they've got on each other. Yeah, yeah. I, do, I, I do like that tension between them because he's always like, right, okay, I know this much about you, you know that, you know, you know so much about me, and they were trying to kind of get one up on each other. I think. Yeah. You know, and it, as I say, it's the confusion of what to make of Barbara Bach. She looks terrific here. The character's interesting. The delivery's extremely flat. Yeah, she's a bit wooden, bless her. Yeah, she just talks like in a. Silted voice like this the whole time. She's a little bit Vulcan. It's, it's, it's <laughs> she could be Vulcan. It's, it's not quite Russian. It's not quite anything. It's just kind of like a plain speaking voice. Chicken, not stirred. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> and it's, and that's but without the, the obscene hand gestures uh, Pam Bouvier makes when ordering one of those. <laughs> shocking, <laughs> shocking. So was, was she married to Ringo Starr by this point then? No, no. Because Pam Bouvier, if you don't speak English, she might well be saying, wanked off, not fingered. <laughs> <laughs> Very naughty, That's like just a just... martini, wanked off, not fingered. That classic Bond line. <laughs> 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 All right. We're going to have to put the explicit sticker on. So that's what he time. really means by shaking not stirred. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and to be honest... That's what it means. I, I agree with him. <laughs> <laughs> that's why it tastes different, you know. That's how I <laughs> <call> my martini. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. Children, you don't trust, want to listen to this. Trust Becca to lower the tone, <laughs> eh? <laughs> I do it occasionally. Sorry. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So. Uh, okay. So she she wasn't I'm married to Ringo Starr then. How Becca lowered the tone there. <laughs> I brought up license to kill. I to carry on. I know. I know. Never um, mind. I'm allowed to do it sometimes, you know. Yeah. But just remember, you know, popular opinion is that you should always have your bar- your, bar- your martini with gin and have it fingered. <laughs> vodka and wanked off. Okay, I remember that over your rocks. I, I think he just proves that like Bond's a rebel. He goes against the grain of what. <laughs> he does things his way. He doesn't give a shit. Uh, right. Going against the grain's fine, but don't blame me if there's chafing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's get it out of the gutter now. Come on. Okay, so uh, yeah, there's the meat max car. But they have a little um, like a semi. Uh, what you call? Bidding <laughs> 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 Jesus Christ! Uh, 
What's it called? Auction. They have, like, they have a bit of an auction. Doesn't really go anywhere. He gets no, caught. Little bidding, little that is a complete. Yeah, the scene is not going so well at that point. <laughs> yeah, Triple X is winning by by the time he gets called away, and uh, yeah, it's like none of them seem. They all seem relatively calm. Like, okay, he's got a phone call. Um, we're just sitting there, and we we know Jaws is going to be there. He's going to kill him. Yeah, because he's quite inconspicuous. Yeah, you can't miss him really. <laughs> it's it's a bit like Arnold Schwarzenegger in te- Tech Noir. <laughs> it, it, it is actually, it, but but again, it but yeah. again, it, the way this is shot is like a horror film. This bit as well, like the way the way Jaws is actually. Well, it's very like Dracula. The, yeah. the the move for the neck is always very slow. Mm. It's like the reveal when he smiles and you see these metal teeth, and it's just like yeah. There's a terrifying presence kind of looming down mm. on you. I think yeah, you know. But I like um, one line. He's been cut off permanently. <laughs> yeah. We try one line. I'm still thinking though. You know, just I'm still thinking with our Twitter account. Now you can do like polls. We can ask people how they want their vodka martinis. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> you know what? I'm ashamed to say I've never had a, a vodka martini or mm. a, a gin martini for that matter. I don't know. Wank fingered the Chris. <laughs> Which way do you take it? Mm. <laughs> well, I won't know until I try. <laughs> First time for everything. As, as Graham Taylor used to say, you got to experiment. <laughs> anyway, so anyway. Calba gets killed, and now Jules has got the microphone. The microfilm, yeah. And, uh, so they, microfilm. They basically run, af- run after him. Uh, they both kind of have the same plan and hide in his back of his van. Yeah. And yeah. Again, top action. <laughs> An awful lot of the time, Roger just ends up sat in the back of stuff, just chilling <laughs> out. And they head. They head to the death of the film for me, because at this point, I'm totally on board. I think everything so far has been terrific. Mm. We've had some nice locations. Roger Moore's too old, but he's doing very well. The humour's all landed. Jaws is interesting if... well, He's, he's, quite, he's very scary at this point as well. Mm. It's terrifying. And then we head off to this kind of... Well, well we do get like a little sort of semi... like, like starts we, rom- we keep getting those. <laughs> this kind of... <laughs> we do get like sense of like romance blossoming because we do get the, you know, the drive of the, the band to the desert. It, look, it looks gorgeous here. Um... And you know, like Triple X, like falls asleep on the on Bond's shoulder. Bond kind of raises an eyebrow, going, mm-hmm. mm. and, uh, he literally does as well. <laughs> you can he see does. this. You can see like I don't know, light bulb. It's bit, like it's a bit like Clark Kent, like ripping over open his shirt. He's desperate to like rip off his James Bond tux to reveal Roger Moore. <laughs> it, it's just he's he's. You, you can just see, and we see it in the next few scenes. All those quite subtle expressions you got in previous films are just starting to get broader. And it starts here. It does actually start here. His reaction, it's a tiny little thing, but just that little reaction there, I'm just starting to see this film broaden out a little bit. And the where they're going, it gets worse. Yeah. So, basically, they, they, they arrive at this slight big, where is it they arrive? It's, I know it's like a big kind of wasteland of, you know, old like, it's a Temple of Karnak, isn't it, I think? Yeah, it, it's being, um, well, not restored is not the right word, but, ma- you know, maintenance. Yeah, it's kind of, um, oh, I can't think what it's called. Yeah, I but think it's, it's a building site, effectively. 
make the joke about Egyptian builders, doesn't he? And then it was well, he had to kind of he mouthed the line, and then it was dubbed yeah. on afterwards. Mm. Yeah, he did. So, so yeah. not offend Egyptian audiences. It made me think of Arnold Rimmer, though. You know, like in um, Backwards, the Red Dwarfs. Uh, episode. Oh yes, yes. After the fight, he walks away, sort of like doing that with his hands and sort Dusting of going, off, thank yeah. you for your support. Yeah. Jaws has just fucking knocked himself out, and he's walking away, going, "Yep, yeah, job done." <laughs> Done, done, done. <laughs> but this scene is, I, I can just feel the film just starting to struggle because I've never liked the punch jaws in the mouth, ooh, my hand hurts. It's not funny. <laughs> now, later on when he's in the van and he's talking to her and he's rubbing his hand like he's clearly hurted a bit, that's fair enough. That's quite subtle. So he punches him and it's another really bad punch up. Uh, the scene ends with Jaws dropping a brick on his foot, which is just like, again, undercuts any tension about the guy. And, yeah, but, and, and yeah. Anya in the car, he's women drivers, ha, 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 ha. And when she does say, watch this and do something vaguely competent, he's stunned. You know, it's just this... Shaken, not stirred. Talking oh. to women yeah. like this, yeah, which is a shit line that doesn't fit here. White doff, not fingered, would have fitted much better. <laughs> um, but it's just like, you know, it, it's talking to, he always talks to women like they're vaguely slow children. And yeah, this one's pretty bad. Wrong, it's like, it's like yeah. you know, it is like a woman. And <laughs> I just think this scene is, is the start of the film going quite considerably downhill. Jaws is a very, very scary villain till he drops a brick on his foot and it's like, ha ha ha, ha he caught his own foot. Yeah. Yeah. Very um, slapstick. Um, the film was brilliant until this point. Genuinely very, very good. Yeah. I, I mean, it, really funny, I mean, it doesn't, doesn't help that and that Anya forced like a really, really stupid trick with a microphone like Jaws drops it. And uh, you know, and it's like, and she's there looking, looking, keeping a gun on him, holds it, foolishly like looks down. It's like, yeah. what, what, wagon? Why? why well, he, you... He's just dropped it in front of him. Why would she not just say, "Kick it to me"? Yeah. yeah exactly. Or how about you just get bong, pick it up, St- or step away yeah. from it, or yeah. whatever. Yeah. No tension whatsoever. Or just thank you, shoot Jaws. In fact, why? If, in fact, you know how dangerous he is. Why don't you shoot him anyway? <laughs> Take them. I mean, well, I suppose he's indestructible. You know, anyway, but. At, the, at this point, you just at least like just shoot him, mm. and then like okay, right, well I'll pick up the microphone now, because like what what are you gonna do mm. afterwards anyway? He's like, you know, you got a like, instant dangerous threat chasing after you. For... And, it, and now from now on as well, instead of the in- in- indestructibility of him being a mystery, a almost. bit like the Terminator, where it's like, what the fuck do we do? Nothing's slowing this guy down. Mm. Yeah. Although obviously it's not a guy in the Terminator, but a similar basic principle is played for laughs for now on. You know, when he when he's the train scene later, he gets up and dusts himself off. He falls in a car into someone's building and just gets the out. The car explodes himself. as well. It does. Yeah, he just gets out and dusts himself off, and it's just <laughs> like, what's happened to this film? This is this is now a very different film than the one I started watching, even though it had its tongue in its cheek. It's more of like a figure of fun rather than a. Really, you know, credible threat. Yeah, and it's about to make another couple of very, very strange tonal changes as we get to them. But this is the scene where I start having problems. Yeah, yeah, it's very difficult. I mean, it does. I mean, Jaws is still menacing once. I uh, once they get that humorous note where he kind of like picks up the brick and then like just decides to drop it on his feet and he goes, "Ooh!" He gives that pain, you know, it doesn't do quite a Roger, but he has that pain expression look on his face. It's like... He does his, whack, this whack, is whack. my impersonation of a blow-up doll face. <laughs> 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 I 
Chuck uh, <gasps> yeah, it, uh, of course they then, yeah, so where do they go from there? They they drive off in the, and then, oh God, yeah, they drive off in this van. In the jalopy. When, when it breaks down, Anya uh, diagnoses the problem without even looking at it, which is quite impressive. Yeah, she knows what it is, and but Roger the just looks at it and like... the fucking circus music. <laughs> i got a real problem with that. Again, it's it's just pushing it a step too far each time. I don't mind funny. I, we dick around on this show loads. We like laughing. We like to make people laugh, but that's not funny. I can't. Who's it aimed at? Are, are there grown men in the in the cinema laughing at this? I well, it's the so hard to believe. It? No, it's ridiculous. I mean, yeah. I mean, then, but then you get like nod to Lawrence of Arabia, don't they? You know, and that was you know, that that's directly afterwards as well. Yeah, yes, and I wanted it, to go watch Lawrence of Arabia because it's really good. <laughs> exactly, the like, tonal shift is really weird because you've got one jokey sense, you know, piece of music, and then you've got Lawrence Arabia theme tune. It's just it's like, why, why have the two side to side? I don't get it. But yeah, again, it's all pastiche. You get it all the way through the rest of the Roger Moore run now, and it sort of starts here. This is the same sort of lineage that leads us to the Tarzan yell, to oh. like, you know, uh, music Sit. from westerns <laughs> yeah. later on, all of that sort of stuff. It, it starts here, and the, the circus music is an enormous misstep. <laughs> oh dear, maybe that's a new day. Yeah, it is a bit like that, really, isn't it? It's like, oh. oh, it's awful. Uh, but then they end up on a boat. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they t- yeah, they take a felucca across the. And again, across the Roger Moore's performance is really devolving because she drugs him with a, a sort of a cigarette. cigarette that yeah, like, poison cigarette. Just basically, the face he pulls. I've, I've mentioned it once when we were talking about Goldfinger, the Harry Enfield sketch, the Playboys. <laughs> when they're knocked out by that purple fucking gas at the end, look at the face Harry Enfield pulls. That's the face Roger Moore pulls. It's the same. <laughs> it's just like tone it down a bit, you know. And by well, now, isn't it like a double take? It's literally like you know, it's it's like the shot. Literally, it. his eyes are rolling around in his head. It's so weird. He's always goes cross-eyed and kind of like with puzzled looks. Look like, oh, what's yeah, happening? He struggles against it for a second. It's yeah. just. It, it's not so much that it's played for laughs, it's just that they've now decided this is the direction they want to go in and there's no restraint on it. And, it, and it's like, you know, tell 25, 30% less jokes and make them good ones rather than just trying to clamp, cram in this unfunny shit every two minutes. I don't think this particular bit is actually played for laughs, but it's badly overacted. Yeah, it is. I mean, it is kind of cliched and comical it doesn't help with the soundtrack goes yeah it's a it's a bit of a it's a bit of an erratic score <laughs> to say the least uh yeah so yeah, basically so basically here we get uh bond like wakes up and finds out that she's taking the microfilm and uh i think and Goes goes off CM to report that. Well, I had it, but I lost it. <laughs> yeah, he's <laughs> like, uh, I dropped off or something. Yeah. And yeah. you find the general goggles in there as well. <gasps> An alliance yeah. refusing to stand up. Still, <laughs> he still doesn't stand up. Yeah. But I like this scene because you see a lot of other like other gadgets as well that he's working on. So that's good. It's a good old fashioned Q scene, I think. Oh yeah, we missed like the bit where uh, Q Q is first introduced and like we're talking about like oh how how did this happen and Q's like oh it's quite easy really and, yeah he goes oh with your permission Major and he goes you know, it's more like saying with your permission to be a pompous know-it-all <laughs> and we also get the first appearance of Robert Brown as well yeah we do the future M, M. yeah 
Me. Well, yeah, we see where well, we saw him in the opening credits, uh, Sir Hilary Bray. Oh, yeah, Wexford appearing George again. Baker playing a different character. Um, and <laughs> then like we're introduced to um, the minister, uh, Jeffrey Keane, and uh, Robert Brown as Admiral Hargreaves. He's, it's not M, it's a different character. Mm-hmm. Um, that doesn't become an M either. It, it's a different character. The thing that's always confused me is. Well, is it though? Or is it not like it's? It's not the same character. I think because, Eon of no, they're different that. characters. I think uh, okay, just the same actor playing two different characters. Because on IMDb is still kind of like we we put M like on the thing. It is listed as Robert Brown for the spy. It's kind of like slash uh, Bernard Lee uh, and Robert Brown in both Spy. Wow, like IMDb. Yeah. Just... I know well, that that that's just how I looked up. So I figured, oh, but IMDb are normally right, but they do make mistakes, and they yeah. certainly do more on attributions as well, and what people have got in the pipeline, and people credited with things they'll never do. Mm. But um, no, it, it it is apparently not the same guy. Okay. So we're under a Labour government now, and that's the minister, and he will remain the minister through the t- next Tory government as well. So he's a bit of a turncoat. <laughs> he, he doesn't get a promotion. Well, they don't really. Yeah, sort but you of... think he's got to be a he's got to be a Labour politician if he's a minister now. That's true. Yeah, I know so you I don't have he... to be, but you usually are. He switches allegiances, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, he does. Well, he yeah, the, the, the government really doesn't sort of. Well, uh, oh, actually, that that said, by time for Euros only, you do actually reference Margaret Thatcher. Yeah, I was going to say that, <laughs> and you get really Thatcher in, don't you? Dear, dear. We'll get to that one, but <laughs> but it, 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 you know what? It may as well be a spitting image. <laughs> But even even there, I mean, without going on to For Your Eyes Only for too long, just that film is a relatively straight, sober Bond film by the stand, certainly by the standards of the Roger Moore era, Mm. and they still can't resist. They've still got to put in the really fucking goofy, stupid bit that isn't funny. And that's the key. It's not that it's like humour, it's that it's humour on about the level of the Star Wars prequels. You know, it's Jar Jar stepping in shit. Oh dear! It, it's just not very good, um, and I, you can see the trend starting here. But um, I mean, when he when he walks in and Gogol's there for a moment, that's quite tense because he doesn't know Gogol's kind of on side. No, you think hmm, what's going on here? Hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit like you know, well, walking well, into your enemy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, you think you forget. Hold on. What's going? Get, Again, it's like last week, isn't it? You think, well, hang on, would, do you think like M would introduce him rather than like let Gogol just be there? Yeah, because yes. like you know, <laughs> once he shot Gogol and M goes, well, I was just staying silent for a minute for dramatic fucking attention. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't mean to kill him. <laughs> <laughs> dramatic pause. And they work out. What do they work out? They they start looking at the the film, don't they? Yeah, it's actually useless. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Well, Bond's looking smoke is like I examined it on the on, on the boat. <laughs> and I like, clever. Yeah, the, the important bit's been taken you out. Examined it well. fucking fast. You were knocked out after two seconds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think he, he kind of knows that Triple X probably knows a little bit more than he does. So mm. he's just trying to be smug and you know, mm. when, you know, try and outspy each other, I guess. Well, again, that's it's, it's like last time they do that when they start like sort of facing off each other's knowledge, where they are like. Uh, Know, know about oh what what's that oh that's a thing for strong boat actually it's in from this such a place you know, well it's... yeah for the first time we had them order each other's drinks didn't they yeah they knew yeah, each they other did. he ordered she ordered him a 
uh, wanked off, not fingered, and he ordered <laughs> a, a Bacardi. Uh, a Bacardi and Coke or something. Uh, that's just... Yeah, Bacardi uh, and Coke on the rock. That's one step above fucking giver or white lightning. <laughs> <laughs> a, dry, a dry wine spritzer, please. <laughs> that's right up there with, I'll just have a blue nun. A blue nun. What? Into the 70s. Bacardi. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so much fun! <laughs> yeah, what did he say? Oh, actually, um, oh, what did he say? I can't remember. In Italy or something like that, in, in Sicily, and he goes, "Actually, it's in Sardinia," and it's like, "Oh, very good," you know. Yeah, they're like, yeah, it's like you got like both the M and uh, go, General Gogo, go, like, uh, like Gogo, yeah, going like, "Oh, very good, James." <laughs> it's yeah, like, he's mine. He's my guy. My guy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. but, but my woman got it writer. Got <laughs> <laughs> even more right, so I'm yours. Yes. Yeah, but it's, yeah, but I do love Go- uh, Gogo in this because he's he's just like he's just thrilled as like, like oh alliance isn't that great? I'm wonderful. You know, it's like he just seems to be really really happy for some strange reason. Yeah, a new era of because I don't know if that's just how he speaks. But he's, yeah, it's if he's talking with gritted teeth. A new era of Anglo-Soviet cooperation, and it's just like, oh god, very weird way of speaking. <laughs> but no, it's very cool. I think, yeah. and I like how um, it's the first time like you hear M's name. So he's like, oh, after you, Alexi. No, after you, Miles. You know, <laughs> something yeah. that's quite cool. So yeah, a little bit there for you. Okay, so after the scene, where to next? Uh, well, we'd go to... Where, where, where do we go? Is it... Uh... Is it the train next? Bond on a train. Oh, yeah, Bond on a train, and then we have a fight with Jaws. We have a, we, this is like kind of where the romance starts building on this, uh, naturally. I, like I didn't think Bond and Jaws were going to yeah. go all the way, though. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, even heavy petting is quite dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> uh... <laughs> like, hopefully you won't be a nibbler. And also, he's forgotten his grooming suitcase. He has. <laughs> he didn't see that this time. Yeah, um, and Triple X is like taken out pretty much instantly. Again, which makes you start like her character is kind of just redundant in the fact that, well, as abilities as an agent, she isn't really that effective well, anymore in the film. There's another tonal shift here a little bit because we've had him drop a breeze block or whatever it was on his foot and like, oh, what a comedic guy. He's properly knocks Anya about here, Jules, a bit. Well, he's a bit... She's on the bed and he's punching her and slapping her. It's... I don't really like it. It's quite brief, but for, for a, such a highly rated film, it, it is really confused in what it's trying to be. I don't remember. I just remember her, her just getting knocked out, like, bang, like No, that. he's got her on the bed and he's slapping her. It's really... It's not very nice. Yeah. And then bon- and bizarrely, I don't know if it's the way it's shot... Mm. But I didn't notice it for years either. And I've I've noticed it in recent viewings, and it's like, I don't like this at all. I mean, I don't mind it because he's the villain, and it's what he would probably be doing anyway. But I, you know, I, I, I see what you mean. But anyway, Bond comes in and saves the day. Yeah, just as he's about to bite her. I mean, if he actually moved towards her neck in a, anything like a normal speed... Mm. She'd have been dead, but he decided to, you know, do it very slowly. Yeah, like, like all villains do. And I thought this fight was crap. Yeah, it's not the best train fight, really, is it? Um, sadly, when I did the Twitter poll, I forgot to include Teehee, which may have been better. Well, so. actually, I've always thought this was really good, and Bond on a train and all the rest of it. We've talked about it in previous um, 
episodes, but it's basically Bond being throttled with his bug eyes overacting. Oof. And then he, yeah, and you know, and then he just and, and, and his small cut ruined. Yes, oh, 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 you're, oh, you're bleeding. It's like a little red mark on his shirt and his shoulder. It's a fresh wound. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. It's only a fresh. Well, yeah. It's, <laughs> yeah. Your arms off? Yeah. No, it isn't. So yeah, so, <laughs> so he fights off Jaws using a lamp. Yeah. yeah with, with a lamp, oh god. With a lamp. Does he do that again in Moonraker? I'm not sure. It's just how many references to his fucking teeth. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's terrifying. Why well, is his main feature? Did they just do a fucking quick Colgate ad while they were there? <laughs> I know it's his main feature, but it's not his only fucking feature. No, he's also seven foot tall, you know. And he's trustable. It's all quite strong and, you know, I don't know. Quite terrifying, but yeah, it's, it's a bit weird how they go from like it's, a, it's not terrible. I'm just not that. I'm just not that fond of it. Um, and I'm very slowly checking out of the film. And if you go back and read our live tweet yesterday, you start I, talking about your dinner, don't you, Dave? Sorry, I'm t- I'm starting to talk about fucking Star Wars. I've even talked about Octopussy at one point. I'm going <laughs> off point during the second half of this film because it's starting to lose me. No, it's not. And having gone really fucking goofy and reminded me why I'm not that fond of Roger Moore, despite two very promising early entries. And, a, and even in his own tone, even in the tone that suits him, the first, you know, three quarters of an hour of this film, really enjoyed it. And now I'm starting to struggle. Yeah, I really am starting to struggle. I don't know. Do I mean, get the car, though, to come. Yeah, I mean, I remember this bit uh, on the train quite fondly when I first watched it because it, it just again it's like another scene with Jaws it's like again I think watching it at a younger age he's still menacing even though we have had that cartoony element so there's a little bit in intimidation and you know the, I, yeah. for me it kind of works fine it's like another it's a nicely sort of paced action beat as well um, but you know watching it now it is kind of like okay but then what can it's bond... okay it's not terrible I, I mean i think i said it was shit at the start yeah. of that's a bit harsh it's not that bad but it's not that good either well it's not very grant basically is it no you know so but yeah but what is anyway um yeah so basically bond gets uh where, where's bond go to now i forget the actual order sorry they go to sardinia don't they because they, they pick we up go, we, we've got the lotus next haven't we Yes, we have. What do you guys reckon to the uh, the Lotus it leaves, the car that can go underwater? <laughs> I think it starts really strong. It, it starts off as a really, really good, um, a really good sort of driving action sequence, which this series hasn't had that many of, actually. For all the sort of uh, you know, nowadays we get sort of programs on the cars of Bond and all the rest of it, and there are several iconic cars in this series one a lot more than the rest but there actually aren't many good car chases in this series um and i think this this starts really quite strong in terms of like we've the already been to well, it been... just because Sorry. naomi's there we haven't yeah i haven't yeah. talked about naomi yet but i was gonna say with, with the roger moore movies he spends a lot of spends a lot of his time on water or but you get more boat chases than car chases i think yeah I mean, including this... that six-hour one that was in *Live and Let Die*. I mean, is it... <laughs> that went on forever. <laughs> Isn't this the first one since uh, *Goldfinger*? You know, we're, like we're a standard Bond car chase with the gadgets and whatnot. Yeah, I mean, there was yeah, a very yeah. short one in *In Thunderball*. Uh, yeah, those cars are completely tricked out, and yeah, I, yeah. I would agree with you. Yeah. Uh, there was a terrible one in *Diamonds*. Oh yeah, we'll forget that ever happened. Um. Well, the Man of Gold Gun did have a car chase, but it wasn't the it wasn't gadget like, one. 
No, it wasn't gadget leading car. So, mm-hmm. but this one, yeah, it's pretty cool. I think. But no, yeah, I'm... and it's nice that he's got his own signature car. When you think of Roger Moore, you, the Lotus. You think of the Lotus, don't you? So, considering we're not big petrol heads, we know about the Lotus. So, yay. <laughs> yeah. So you know, it, it starts all right. I mean, it's quite clearly they're not driving that car. Quite clearly, they're no. Stage, <laughs> it's done pretty well. Um, all those feathers and he chased... still can't fly. Sorry. <laughs> all, all those feathers. Yeah, that's a shit. I don't like that line. <laughs> well, but, but but what makes me laugh is like as if like how would a foot would he know what's happened? Like he's got how do you know? In the underwater cameras. <laughs> no, but like you know, it's like he's on the road. He's on. He's like driving down a really sort of curvy road round round the top of a like a, a, like a hilly mountain or something like that. You know. Yeah, basically, it, unless he's you know, and he's, he's... as if he like looks back as if it's like a straight road. He's he's clearly seen just what just happened, but he wouldn't know because there was like two massive wagons both on either side of the road at this point. And and plus it's like it would have like turned out with the vision, so he wouldn't have seen him fly off the end of the cliff. So it's like you say, looking back, go, all those levers, he still can't fly. It's just like, uh, how the how the fuck did you see be able to know that he's fallen off? I don't know. It's yeah, but it's, it's what comes to my mind when I watched it. Yeah, it, it's it, it's not terrible, but once again, it's we see this a lot more in the Brosnan era. But it's like we have to have a fucking quip, whether there's one there that works or not. Um, and it, it's okay. The sequence is pretty good. Um, even when they first get into water, that's pretty good. The way he finishes off Naomi is very good. Um, we have, I, I like. It. We have just like, like bit like sort of skimmed over that whole Naomi introduction scene. Yeah, you know, where, where he actually meets Stromberg in the in his. Underwater. Well, that tells you all about Strongberg. What yeah. happens next? We've forgotten the fucking main villain of the thing. <laughs> you know, I'm I'm really zoning out by now. And the first visit to Atlantis isn't that fucking interesting. In fact, it is an Atlantis. And, you know, and, and the fact that he just bristles off Triple uh, X as well. It's like, okay, you, you, know, you, 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 you throttle off there. I'll go. <laughs> and she's just oh, yes. by it. Sterling, yes. Yeah, and it's just like, oh. Well. Yes, he's a marine biologist, isn't he? At yeah. this point. It's just not that interesting. I'm just not interested in any of this. It's you know, we I think around that this point she finds out he killed Sergei. Yeah, I think that's uh, that scene really is problematic for me. I think they could have brought that forward a lot more because that's a lot of where the tension comes from. Because we're told right at the very start that he killed Sergei, and then there's that tension between them, and you think, oh yeah, it's all going to come out now. But it just it happens too late, much too late in the film. Um, to have any real impact. Well, I would have. I, I thought the the intention of the film was like for get to a point where she generally starts to like Bond, and then for that to be kind of taken away. Yeah, and then suddenly he discovers. Oh, yeah, it was him. So, but I still, mean, I just think I for mean, me, yeah. it falls flat. Well, yeah, but again, that's. I think that's down to the performance of Barbara Back. I think she's not very good in this. She's just like very like ugh, just dead. No, there's no, there's no really emotion. No, emotion. I think she's a fembot. <laughs> machine gun jubilees. <laughs> well, yeah, she is. I mean, she's just like you know, just just no emotion in her in her face whatsoever because yeah. she's playing a stern Russian. We you know, but it's idiot all the time. With, with, with but, I mean, I mentioned Vulcans accent. earlier, but it, it's actually there's a similarity there. In as much as if you ever see anyone who plays a Vulcan who isn't Leonard Nimoy, they think the way to play a Vulcan is to just have absolutely no intonation in your voice whatsoever. Yeah. So you talk about it like you're heavily fucking sedated. Um, that's not what Leonard Nimoy did. No. Emotion doesn't mean not putting any expression in your voice whatsoever. Um, and she kind of plays it like, okay.
Okay, so you're Russian, you're an agent, you're no nonsense, so you're going to play it a bit cold. All right. Um, you know, we've got to show a bit of emotion, you know. It's just not even emotion. It's it's any kind of feeling that she's giving any kind of performance. She's not really giving us very much. No, sadly she's a bit wooden. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and sadly the script just sends a character down a down the river anyway starts so well and then yeah. she I, i'd forgotten about her when they uh, later on when they end up the whole sort of battle on the liparus uh i'd forgotten about her no I she's just, kind of randomly tied up and you think i, jo I joked about it because i went oh she uh, I, I said something about being checked out the film that she turned up with her cleavage out soaking wet yeah, and I was like, "Oh, I'm back on board." <laughs> All of a sudden, she's there. You know, joking aside, and, and that was just a joke. It was like, well, she's she's completely sold short in this film. No, she is. And, yeah, I mean, but yeah, of course. So, so the Lotus scene, they end up underwater, and again, it's finished with silly sight gags because that's really quite well done. And I, I'm even quite happy to buy into the gadget. But you've got you've got that man. Who's who, oh, who? Who's the man? The double take guy. He has a drink. And I don't he... know his name, but he turns up in the next two as well. Yeah, he's, he's got like a trilogy of films. Which a trilogy? <laughs> well, it is. He is. <laughs> he's he's, he's in this one in the next two. This so has got five seconds on it. Um... That's like his trilogy. <laughs> but yeah, it, it, it's, and then it, Peter it, Jackson it, did yeah. an extended edition where he had a pork pie as well. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, but it's the drunk guy who thinks, oh, I'm going to give up drinking. Yeah, that's what, yeah, you always say it's double take, yeah. as looks at drinking goes, what? You know? As a little yeah, what happened to the double taking pigeon? That that should have got his free top mark. There should be a double taking pigeon. So in the era they did this, because, well, I mean, I was talking to somebody about the man with the golden gun a couple of weeks ago, because we were record, about to record it, and I was talking about it being the first one I ever saw. It was it was Brian Weir, and he said to me, um, I remember when it was first shown, and I think he said it was Christmas Day 1980. Oh, wow. So it was six years old at that point. So I bet by the time For Your Eyes Only came out, The Spy Who Loved Me had never been shown on network television. And until a bit further into the early 80s, 82, 83, not many people had VHSs. No. So are you really going to remember I don't see the point. It's supposed to be this. Oh, it's just, my God, it's the same guy. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, little, you're it's not funny anyway, But even as a little joke, fair enough. But you're not going to remember. And, and and it's really weirdly shot when you get for your eyes to get for your eyes only because he kind of leaps up to get himself into shot. <laughs> you have to notice it's, him. It, it's just not very funny. Um, and the dropping the fish out the window and that was Roger Moore's idea. And it's like. Bit bizarre. Stop asking Roger his fucking opinion on what should go in this films. <laughs> because it's always going to be the stupidest fucking idea going. <laughs> I don't know. It adds a bit of, I don't know, light humour, I guess. But yeah, it doesn't I really like the it. smile on his face. It doesn't do very much, though. Yeah, it's just, uh, it's the same smile he pulls at the end of Moonraker when he sort of uh, realises the camera's on him. He's like, oops, oh dear. Really, like, one of the things, like, the smiles that Roger has is kind of, that kind of, like, nod when he's, like, driving a vehicle he comes across like a villain like he, he does it to naomi with when she comes in with a helicopter and i like that it's that kind of like yeah all right and doesn't he do it in um a few eyes only as well in the mini or something he, he does it in the 2cv yeah he glances across and i quite like that yeah. it, it's not all note. bad you know there's still a lot of the roger moore we saw in the first two films that he did and this is a better film than the second one so, you know, it's not all bad, but it's just 
I can just see where it's going. And I find it really sad after one of the best opening 45 minutes of any Bond film we've seen to this point. It's all falling apart under yeah, it's really the, under the weight of let's throw in some more silliness. And it's not that it's silly, it's that it's not funny. Bond managed to dispatch Naomi, didn't he? So, and then... And yeah, they, they sort of like... Oh yeah, they have a bit of like underwater seekers where he checks out um, uh, Atlantis underwater. Yeah. And he sort of like gets a glimpse of the cloud and then you get like another little like uh, like submarine kind of mini sort of mini sub sort of battle with little mm. grenades which you know cause the cause the sort of the, the slight tiny little hole in the, in the window <laughs> it's like oh the smallest hole <laughs> yes but um, yeah but it's so small that I felt a tiny fish could have come out <laughs> but, but um, yeah it's like it's another, it's another sort of action beat. Oh well, crap! Wasn't expecting that. But uh, yeah, so you see, you get that. You see the big globe inside Atlantis, and then I like what, what he tends to do. And then yeah, Roger Roger Moore drives out on the beach, and it's all kind of is there like a comedic like like music cue to this as well? When he can't remember the music, can you? Or or, or was it or was it like the the proper James Bond like? It's the James Bond theme, I think, isn't it? It's the James Bond theme. Um, Um, I mean, it does get worse. In terms of, like, goofiness, this is just the beginning. Um, But, yeah, it just... It it undercuts a a really quite good sequence. And, you know, his wry look to Naomi was funny. I laughed at quite a lot in the, you know, pre-titles. It's not that none of the humour lands. It's just it doesn't know where to stop. And we're, we're one scene after, you know, one or two scenes after, like... Jaws beating a woman up, and then we go into an extraordinarily humorless finale to this film. The action for the last half an hour or whatever it is just runs forever and has no humor in it. So it, it's a very strange film. No, it's a bit kind of back to back, isn't it? It's similar to obviously like the, the Ninja Raid and You Only Live Twice. Um, Except far more boring. Yeah, so it goes on a little bit longer, and there's kind of not very much dialogue. Um, but mm. you, you see the wet bike, obviously, like a jet. It's good, I guess. Oh, quite like uh, that. Which is quite cool. It's a and he looks pretty good. Yeah, yeah, it's the best Roger Moore looks in this film. What yeah, when he's wearing like an admiral's kind of. Yeah. He looks good in his, you know, his um, naval commander uniform. I must admit. And that's not being pervy or anything like that. Mm. Not at all. <laughs> I was. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, well, he hasn't been very nicely dressed in this film. Full stop. So it, it actually, again, it's black and all the rest of it. It looks just looks a lot better. Uh, and we see Shane Rimmer, and we watch we watch Anya have a shower. Side. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, major. I think I yeah, should. Yeah, so they're now they're, they're now on the USS Wayne. They're on an Amer- they're on an American submarine to get inside the Liparus. Yeah, they've been captured, haven't they? So. Yeah. So yeah, so they do they get purposely captured? Oh. I think so. Yeah, I think it's to get inside uh, the. Uh, a lot that we can't remember the plot. Mm. Yeah, no, it's just the film falls apart. It's uh, this is this is the debut of the 007 stage. The, the they didn't have a stage big enough for two, um, uh, two submarines, so they built the 007 stage. Cost 1.8 million. As Pinewood would go on making money from it, I'm assuming this production didn't fund the whole thing, mm. um, but certainly some of its budget will have gone to that. Uh, it's a huge set. It's quite an impressive set. Uh, 
But yeah, from here on in, I'm checked out. I was tweeting about something else and I'm not that interested. Tweeting about your dinner? Yeah, <laughs> tweeting about my dinner. What did you have? Chicken Kievs. Oh, lovely. Going back to the 70s. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know, I mean, I, I, I always liked this because I felt like the big sort of climax of the film is, was kind of missing. You get a big full-on like assault of like... Mm. Of of U.S. Army and Russian mm. and, and British all getting together to fight off like the villains, you know. I think it's. Oh, I like it on paper. Yeah, but I'm not that interested in the villain. Yeah, the, the interesting. He's not that interesting. We're what? suddenly on this set, yeah, and it just goes on forever, and it's a long, long sequence with a guy at the centre of it who's not very good at action. Not that he ruins the film by any stretch of the imagination, but there's one bit where he's. Sort of climbing, is he climbing across the ceiling or something? And the Bourne Threams playing, and I'm going, they're playing it over this? He looks like he's on a fucking trike or something. That scene uh, is very weird, I think, because it, it captures like the. Because the, they can't break through into the control room, can they? Mm. So it captures this um, explosive device, and it's kind of it's propelling it across the top of the ceiling, kind of. I couldn't give a fuck what he was doing at that point. Genuinely, I, d- I did not it. know what he was doing. I, 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 I did the like the use of the bomb theme and how it kind of like. It just stops automatically. Yeah, it, really it, it stops when like the guy pulls like a plug on something, and it's like, oh, you know, <laughs> where the power the goes. Music. Yeah. Yeah. So when Bond turned up, he just handed them a record and said, "Can you play this when I do anything?" <laughs> yeah. Really and then good. they saw the electricity that was costing. <laughs> they thought, right, the plug out. That scene's always really jarring to me because you kind of you, you get the I, don't know, I kind of like it though. I don't know. I I, I, I get what you're saying, but I kind of like it. Yeah, I, I, I like it as well, but it always makes me think, oh, it takes me out of it at the moment because it literally starts. Halfway through, it's like, did it, oh, and then it ends. I mean, I like the set. Okay. I like the cast. Funny, I prefer the sort of cast to like the spy love, uh, not the spy love. I mean, the um, you only live twice. In that, you know, Shane Rimmer, he's sort of working with him and all the rest of it. Oh, yeah, yeah he's in it as well. There's, there's a lot about this I like, but I'm I'm just bored by it. No, it goes on too long, and I think it goes on editing. Way too long. You think, think, think maybe if you, watch, if you watch this in two parts, you might have like felt better. I might have done. Yeah, I tell you, I'd have probably been. I'd have probably been wise to sort of split it after the train, probably. Yeah, once the train scene had happened, probably leave it there for a bit. Because that's like a sub-ending of its own, isn't it? Jaws being kicked out the window, even though you see he's fine immediately. Um, <laughs> you don't really need that section. You just take out the train bit altogether, I think. Well, it just uh, This is all three Roger Moore's films now. I've got some pacing issue. Didn't bother me with... Um, Live and Let Die. Live and Let Die, because no. I thought I th- it held its running time fine, as I said at the time. You know, it, it whipped along nicely enough. Yeah, I don't feel but it as in much in terms of where the plot was, compared to the running time, it was all over the shop. Uh, I just thought, yeah, and... Man with the Golden Gun has got this abrupt ending for the villain, and then you go into this strange extended coda, which is supposed to be the main plot, but doesn't feel like it. And tonight, it's just absolutely interminable. And as I say, I think there's two things about this film. I think it upsets me more because the first 45 minutes to an hour is very good. And I think it's also raised expectations. You watch all the extras around this, and they talk about one of the best of all the Bond films. It's Roger Moore's favourite of his own Bond films. Lewis Gilbert is his favourite of all the directors he ever worked with. Uh, John Glenn says, oh, it's the be- possibly the best film of the lot. It reinvigorated the this, this series, the money it took, which we'll get to in a minute. Whereas you watch something like Moonraker and everyone tells you it's utter bargain basement shit. Oh. And to be honest, the difference in standard between the two is not that enormous. 
I think no. Moonraker's got a slightly more batshit plot, but only slightly. It's got a much better villain. Uh, the leading lady is equally fucking wooden. Um, well, Roger I quite Moore, like. I quite Roger like Moore's Holly Goodhead. Holly shows quite a smoky voice in that, all that. I quite like her in some ways, but um, she gives an understated performance. Yeah. yeah, she does. And Roger Moore's better in that film than this one. Yeah, and yeah, uh, well, and plus um, Goodhead is uh, <laughs> good. Uh, she has a great name. Yeah, name. yeah, but I think I think she gives. A, a better, like, but she gives a non-wooden performance, and and her character actually has something. She gets involved in the action, you know. She yeah, does, a little yeah. bit. I, so, I, so, so, like so, 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 instantly better than. I'm not suggesting Moonraker's better than this necessarily. I no. don't think it has the highs this film has. No, but I, it's I nowhere know near as iconic. Yeah, but it's way better than its reputation, and I would argue this is fucking far worse than its reputation. I'm still very much a film with two halves, I think. The first 45 minutes to an hour is absolute gold. I liked it. I and then really it sort of did. falls away. It falls apart but dramatically. Having said that, though, it's still my favourite of, of the Roger Moore era. Um, I can't remember where I placed it in my ranking of the 100, 100 Bond films. What? Um, you know, my top <laughs> you've seen, films, you've but... seen the next uh, 76 Bond films? I have. What happens in them? <laughs> well, you're in for a treat. Um... Am I? <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah, it's definitely still my favourite in the Roger Moore era. So. Yeah, I mean, it is good fun. I mean, I, I still enjoy it. I mean, I, I do get it is too long and it is baggy in the, in the middle. And I, I do feel like the once, like, they, they kind of, like, defeat the the, the guy on, on the big uh, ship, whatever it's called. I'm terrible names, I apologise. On the uh, Lipperus. The Lipperus. Yeah, the, oh, yeah, on, on the Lipperus, the once they kind of, like, defeat the nuclear warheads, I feel like they'll... The, kind of the films we've done it now, I mean, you know, so the only thing left now is like, right, we have to go and save Triple uh, X, who is now a, just... Yeah, randomly just, tied up somewhere. Yeah, just been forgotten about. Which and is like, very well, Honey Rider, actually. Yeah. Um, yeah, it is pretty much. It is Honey Rider. And as I say, I mean, Madeline Swan suffers the same sort of fate. I mean, she's a very capable woman. Um, yeah, you know, as soon as you get to the villain's lair, she just becomes a complete... You, know, you, don't, you don't really hear from her, so... Yeah, no, this is this is uh, you only yeah, you only live twice was Lewis Gilbert's prior film, very similar plot, very similar execution of the plot as well yeah. in a lot of ways. It's better than that. You only live twice never had, you know, the the first hour this film had, um, but in some respects it's just more disappointing because if the second half had even remotely a- approached the first, this would be a top five Bond film for me. As it is, it's not as good as Live and Let Die. And it, it's comfortably, I think it's going to be in the bottom half, which is a shame for such an iconic Bond film. Yeah. But because it's so schizophrenic, generally, I can genuinely say there's large sections of this film I really enjoyed. Yes, well, the second half kind of weighs it down a little bit. So. And as I say, we see the, the very the start of where the series is going. You can see little bits of it in Live and Let Die. You see little bits of it in both where you just go, well, that's a bit goofier than we've, we're used to. But... They're kind of starting to indulge themselves here. And it's the same sensibility and same director and same writer that next week gives us a double-taking pigeon. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's the same sensibility, and the films are not as far apart as I think people would. No, yeah, literally they go back to the two-year gap, don't they? So. I don't mean in distance, I mean in quality. No, no, definitely in terms of quality and as well. So. I don't think Moonraker's... I'm, I'm actually going... I'm going to sound much more positive about Moonraker, I think. But that's because it's such a maligned film. 
It does. It gets a lot of bashing. This is a universally really praised it. film that I don't think deserves anything like that praise. And like I say, it's a better looking film uh, than Live and Let Die. I think it's a funnier film in places, genuinely. I think the action is probably better than Live and Let Die, but Live and Let Die is a much better film than this. I mean, yeah. I mean, there is a little bit of a coldness towards him more when he takes out uh, Stromberg. Uh, have you, know, you notice this? He does, again, shoot a guy in cold blood. No, I was checking Twitter at this point. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, but, but, he does, though. It's very cold-blooded death. Yeah, it's like, you know, again, also, he's in this huge, massive thing on his own, eating muscles. Who served them? Who served them muscles or whatever? I do not fucking know. But he, but he sat down <laughs> with, like or something, with his big, massive, like long gun under the table, like ready to like. Yeah, which is like okay. So you have to make sure he's sitting in that exact place. <laughs> you know, it's like punk the easy. Just walk up and just shoot him. Well, but so he sits down. But it, again, he misses, and now he's like, oh well, what forgot? And then Bond just like. Just shoots him. Yeah, just yeah, just like well, you, you've had Again, a shot. very Roger Moore action scene. Can, can I sit down? And uh, <laughs> is there anything where I might have to move my hand, maybe a couple of inches? <laughs> well, it's, it's a really random way, though, because usually, I mean, obviously, um, the villain typically plans uh, over your lever and easily escape from exotic death for Bond. But this time, it's very much the other way. Well, not. Well, you know, he does actually plan to simple. drop him with the sharks, but Bond sort of yeah. like. Goes, aha! I'll just stand it. Uh, stand. I'll just stand either side and avoid yeah. that trap. You know, yeah. it's like well, you know, could have. Um, Hell, we had any fucking idea. Contrived it in such fair. a way that he fed Stromberg to the shark, but no, just shoot yeah. him instead. Yeah, but again, so it's, it's, it is kind of cold. Like, like the the way that like it's it goes back to like Doctor No when he's like the gap. He tries to shoot when he shoots him, and like we think we think he shot Bond, and he can't. Bond just calmly just shoots him, even though he's out of ammo. <clears> Just... Well, we're we're in a jubilee year. We've got a Bond film with a very troubled production history that's got a long gap to the previous one, has a second half that doesn't necessarily make a whole lot of sense and is a big drop off, tonally confused with a lot of rewrites, an actor that looked a lot older than he did in his previous film. It, yeah, it's kind of a bit Skyfall actually, <laughs> but it's. <laughs> but no, I prefer Skyfall to this. I think Skyfall's a better film, but yeah, not in a bad way. Uh, you know, it, it's as I say. I think that expectations play into a lot of this. If Casino Royale suddenly had a scene where, like, Daniel Craig decided to dress up as a fucking chicken or something, <laughs> or you know, he suddenly just started like you know making jokes about Vespa's tits or something then I'd feel a bit betrayed because that film had so was so good. And I'm, I'm being so hard on this film because it's the biggest wasted opportunity in Roger Moore's entire run in the role. Because Live and Let Die, I thought, was pretty good. Last week was always shit anyway. And after this, we got a mixture of goofy and too old, with one exception. Um, this film should have been up where Goldfinger is. In, in my rankings, or will likely be in my rankings, and it's not going to be anywhere near. And that's a real shame. But I'm still quite positive about this whole era. I'm I'm jarred by the goofiness tonight because it it kind of interrupts a film that already had its tongue in its cheek but was working. Next week with Moonraker, I'm a bit more um, ready for it. I'm a it bit more ready. For, for well, it's a bit batshit silly. Let's go with it. 
So I still come out of this really positive, and and it's not a bad film. It's just it could have been a great one, and it and it's not, and that's a shame. Hmm. Oh, well, I, I I still I still like it. I mean, my my heart's always going to be with the harder edge bonds. Uh, and I think I think the main reason for this because I did used to love this when I was a kid. Mm. Uh, I think it, there's an element of the fact that it's just been overplayed too much for me anyway. So I think I've you know you kind of watched you got used to it, so it, it, it you don't get the same buzz from it as I would. No, there say. there is that, but um... yeah, I'd have to agree there, Chris. I think it's kind of been worn down, worn down over the years, and you think. Yeah. Oh, but but this proof is this bit. film is proof you can do a lighter bond though. Yeah. I mean that that first you know that first sort of bit of the portion of the film we're talking about is funny. It's kind of light. It's uh, as I say, a Union Jack, you know, parachute. Really, yeah, that that's silly, but it's it's good silly. I I was really enjoying this for a period of time, and this this idea that I I would just want a Dalton or a Craig or something like that. No, I th- I think I'd made peace with it, but. They never got the t- the tone right with Roger. You know, they just they either indulged him too much or too little. In the first couple of films, they they didn't get enough of him, and by now they're already sort of starting to get a bit too much. So, could you say, and um, possible potential spoiler for this podcast, but could your favourite Roger Moore film be Moonraker? No, that's not going to happen. I don't... <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, damn it! Uh, really? well, do you yeah. know what? There is still a chance Moonraker will outscore this, which I find incredible. And I just think, like, I, I, I do deserve shooting. There's something not right about that. Moonraker well, is not oh. a good film, and this is very well thought of. But there's some, I had more fun with Moonraker. This film doesn't know what it wants to be. I, it's all over the shop in tone. I mean, there is, there is an element of Moonraker that the fact that the sillier elements kind of fall in place because the whole film is just silly in itself. They don't jar you. Yeah. You know, it's like we talk about Skyfall, and, you know, I say it about the scene on the train with the, you know, he's in a hurry to get home. That line jars because it's so tonally at odds with the rest of the film. And this film isn't, it isn't quite as jarring because this film is lighter. But yeah, it just throws, it just throws away a lot of, I thought I was going to be really positive about this. The last two, two occasions I watched it, I got to that point in the film where I was thinking, this is great. I'm actually, I'm really seeing what it is about Roger Moore now. I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying this, you know, and then it, then, then a broken down van sort of drives across the desert to circus music. And you think, no, no, this isn't, this isn't for me. It's not funny. Ridiculous. Yeah. Oh, well. Oh, well. So we get the, uh, the last bit, you know, we, you know, Jaws comes back again, uh, for and no reason, true. for no reason, because like Bond could easily turn around. Oh, by the way, Strongbow's dead, so you may as I, I don't know why you're even bothering now. Yeah, well, as he turns back up next week, we know he's for hire. Yeah, but well, yeah, I, 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 two different employers, doesn't he? I, I, I think that's my favourite scene in the entire <laughs> part of Moonraker. Or he's flapping his trying to flap his arms or something. No, no, like, no. Uh, I mean, I can spoil it now, but I don't know. It, what the phone call about it? Yes. It's like literally drops. Who's giving him a reference? Bond kills his employer every fucking it's time. Like, it's like what? It's like, I just, I just love, I just love the idea that there's a super villain henchman agency. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like office angels. It's like oh, he's available. Oh, wow. yeah, villainousangels.com or something like that. Yeah. 
I just, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, uh... yeah, you might be a bit delayed at airport security, but he'll be with <laughs> you very shortly. Yeah, it, it... I think the whole reason he shows up at the end is to show that he can, you know, take a bite out of a shark, and also that he's kind of indestructible. Yeah. Mm. And he does become a very cult figure off the back of this, and, and ki- a lot of kids wrote to Eon. And so kids scared. Saying, you know, why can't he be a goodie? And of course, that leads directly into the way Moonraker's written. Um, yeah, I mean, we'll have more to say on Moonraker, obviously, next week. Um, but yeah, they're, they're not dissimilar films in a lot of ways, right down to the plot. Obviously, casting, look, everything. It, it's they're, they're very similar films in a lot of ways. Can I tell you my least favourite part of uh, Spy Luppy? Go on then. It's the very, very end. Very, 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 very end. <laughs> it's not It's not just like... Uh, what do you mean James Bond will return in <laughs> Lois well, Chops? Pr- <laughs> no, it's... Oh, God. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. It's like it's not it's not just it's not the whole keeping the British hand up, sir. It's not that oh, bit. What about that? It, it it it's it's the it's the way it kind of goes into this whole like uh, I, I, I'm a sailor a, a version of nobody does it better. Nobody does it better. I'm sung by the people by all the celebrities that appeared in that Morecambe and Wise sketch. I just think, oh my god, really? That's just like this isn't a Bond film, really. So cheesy. It's yeah, as I say, I've I've been a lot harder on it than than I feel in a lot of ways. It it's actually in a strange kind of way a backhanded compliment to the film. It set the bar very high and then fell right under it. <laughs> yeah. it, it there's a good film in here, and I, I I think I get why people really like it. I think I, I really do, and and even now after everything I've said, three three films down, Roger Moore is still better than I gave him credit for. Would it have been better if it was Blofeld, not um, Carlsberg Export? Well, I don't know, because most of the Blofelds were crap, let's be fair. Yeah, but as um, a character, if it were... might have made more sense, because only in as much as nobody... Repeating no the same plan Stromberg. again. No. He wants Atlantis, oh, does he? Okay. Yeah, it's you know, Whereas Blofeld, ready, we've already established, he's just a mischief maker. Just out to cause havoc. And he's, and he's already repeating the same plan again, but just a bit differently. Just underwater. Yeah. Under the sea. And then we get it again next week. Under but, the um, sea. Yeah, in space next week. A few weeks ago, and it, it, they, they're both handsome films. They both look very good. I mean, Lewis Gilbert does have a better eye than Guy Hamilton, I would say, in general. I'd say the films are better looking. Yeah, they're more consistent. Mm. They are, definitely. Absolutely. They're, they're all okay. But, you know, even Moonraker, it won't score massively high, but they're all okay. That's it's more kind of like tonally it knows what it wants to be. You know, you've got the serious moments and you've got the comedic moments. It's not kind of a all scatterbrained and all over the place like Spires. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm actually I'm going to give a better review to a worse film if that makes any yeah, that sense. Makes sense. Yeah. It's not that I think it's better. It's that that film knows what it wants to be, and I put it on in full knowledge it's batshit crazy. Sure. And there'll be things I pick on in it because there's, there's bits in it you just think, well, that's not funny either. But there's some surprisingly good bits in it. And Roger Moore, as from memory, is better in Moonraker than he is here. He goes through a lot more, doesn't he, as well? I mean, without discussing all the, you know... He's in better shape as well. He he, look, he just looks better. I mean, he's older again, obviously, because it's two years on, but he, he looks a lot better, as I recall. He still looks good. Yeah, he does. And then there's a break to the 80s where he just uh, lets it all hang out a bit. <laughs> 
Oh, Roger. <laughs> then he comes back caked in Cossack. And... <laughs> They're having to start to work on the hair once we get to the 80s. Thick yeah, it's a big Buffon dude, Roger. isn't it? Yeah, it goes very Buffon, doesn't <laughs> it? <laughs> it's competition but yeah, there's still plenty to enjoy. I mean, I, I'm still fearing Octopussy because I've never enjoyed it. I but love Octopussy. Moonraker's, Moonraker's enjoyable enough. For your eyes only, I think it's terrific. And A View to a Kill's got a certain nostalgia to it for me. Octopussy's another, another film that kind of gets a bad rap, and I don't know That's why. That's because it's shit. <laughs> <laughs> there are quite a few people who are disagree. Glad I could clear that up for you. <laughs> <laughs> because it's rubbish. Oh, okay. No, I, I, I have a lot of fun with Octopussy. No, me too. There's quite Are a you? lot of fun. That's good. Mm, very clever. Wouldn't you like to know? Um... <laughs> I just, yeah. I just, every time I watch it, I'm utterly fucking bored. Hmm. I quite like the. Well, maybe on this watch, you'll enjoy it more. Yeah, and yeah, I'll go will. in with a very, very open mind. The, the funny thing and is. Bear that, in mind, the film you watched directly before it will be Never Say Never Again. So. Oh, oh that's uh, true. No, they were released the other way around. Oh, was it? Oh, okay. Never oh. Say Never Again. Oh, God, it goes octopusy. Never Say Never Again, a view to a kill. Oh. <laughs> Even worse. Pause. A view to a kill. <laughs> Commentary. Oh, God, that's going to be a hard few weeks. Cringe. The thing is, like, as I say, that there's not a lot. It's, it's back into Diamonds Are Forever territory where I not, I not only don't enjoy the film, I'm bored by it as well. And uh, as I recall with Octopussy, I like the property of a lady bit, you know, the, the sort of whole auction scene. I actually quite like him defusing the bomb, and I just remember checking out of it every time. I cannot tell you now what happens in Octopussy, and I've seen it multiple times. And the reason being, I'm bored. Oh, well, hopefully. I'll really try this time, though. I watch, I watch all the special features and the commentaries, and you know, it cuts both ways because I really enjoyed Live and Let Die, and even The Man with the Golden Gun, which I think was really poor. I preferred Roger in it. That you know, I liked Roger more in it more than I ever had before. But the flip side of keeping an open mind is you come to into a film like The Spy Who Loved Me that I always thought I kind of liked. And you realise, oh, actually. And I've actually been really hard on it tonight, so wow. it'll cut both ways. And maybe Octopussy will raise, rise in my expectations. It's the only that and, and never rise seen like Roger's eyebrow. Yes. Well, well not <laughs> that other artistically and full of talent, but um, those are, those are the sort of t- two back to back that that I worry about. Octopussy and Never Say Never Again because they're both quite drab and I just don't like really like either of them. Whereas when you get to A View to a Kill, it's not very good, but like, God, you can take the piss out of that film, something hilarious. I remember talking a while ago about um, Ice and the Kill being one of my least watched Bond movies. I think Never Say Never Again is also one of my least watched Bond movies, even though it's not technically a Bond film in the, it's, in the it's can- really, canon. It's not very good, but it's got good, if you go in with low expectations, You'll be surprised. There, there, yeah, you might be surprised, it. but it, it's another film, and it's so common to this series of this genre as well. It's another film that kind of falls apart about halfway through, and it just limps to the end, and you're just like, oh, what's happening now? Oh, she's tied to that thing. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, Never Say Never Again is quite boring. And what it, really, what it really loses as well is all those little Eon touches, you know, gun barrel music. There's not a proper Bond movie, that's why. Office. It just isn't. And the M in it's awful. Um, Edward Fox Sean, or somebody? No, isn't it? Who is it? Um, Sean Connery. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Edward Fox. Sean Connery, I think it is. I know they're playing him as an older Bond, but he's way too old. And <laughs> um, even as an older Bond, it just doesn't work. And 
and then you've got like um, Rowan Atkinson in it, <laughs> and it's just like what? It's another film that doesn't know what it wants to be. It's it's up against a Roger Moore film, that so it knows it's got to try to be funny, and you know. It's a bit like watching Star Trek try to be funny. They can't fucking do it, so don't bother. But it can't. It kind of tries to kind of like uh, do a meta kind of. Oh, let's get back to how the good old days is like. Well, now I'm glad you're back. Now I hope we've got some gratuitous sex and violence. So there's some gratuitous and so violent about it at all. No, and again, it, it's it's all like he's still, he's driving the Bentley, which is a nice little nod to the books. But it's yeah, it, it's. It's it's a, it's Bond trying to argue his own existence again. Something I've complained about in the newer films. <laughs> um, but yeah, we will try all these things with an open mind. I'm genuinely sorry if you listen to this. I would imagine, you know, statistically, because it's a very popular film, and it is the highest rated of Roger Moore's films on Rotten Tomatoes. Well, yeah, but again, it's more. I think it's this more is more classic Roger, though, isn't it? Really, it's like The Spy Who Loved Me is a very, very popular film, though, yeah. and I know this will have pissed off a lot of people tonight because it's horrible see listening to people rag on something you love, and I'm genuinely sorry, but I really, really tried with it, and I think it's I think it's it's got greatness within it. It's just bogged down by a director that needs to be reined in a bit, a leading man that needs to be reined in a bit, and you know hit the gym a bit more and a leading lady who really can't fucking act no but it's, it does play like roger moore's greatest hits for the most part oh it's a very roger moore film if you really like roger moore yeah you've gotta like this i would have thought yeah whereas i don't so i tend to like the films that are a bit less him where it's still him, and but you know he's got that deep voice, and he's got quite a physical, you know, a commanding sort of physical presence on the screen. So I don't dislike Roger Moore per se. I just dislike when they try to do certain types of action with him, he can't do, and when they just indulge this in this making everything a fucking joke, and ninety percent of them just aren't even remotely funny. Live and let die doesn't have as much of that and I like it for your eyes only doesn't have as much of that and I like it on the other hand Moonraker's not so bad and it absolutely completely embraces it that was a little bit too silly I think oh I don't think it's a very good film at all but at least I know from scene to scene what I'm watching yeah exactly I like this one mm. <laughs> But yeah, I, I know it's very popular, and I can see why it's got an uh, iconic score and iconic. Well, not parts of the score are iconic, an iconic car. It's a very beautiful film. Triple uh, X is a good character in idea and look, less so in execution. Um, the whole Atlantis set is kind of, um, and the Lipera sets are both fairly iconic. Quite uh, ruined by the fact that the Ice Palace in Die Another Day is the shape of Atlantis. That's mm. that's a nod. Yeah, that kind of gives it. Uh, undercuts it slightly. Kind of, yeah, it's just like I'm looking at that and I just think of Die Another Day. This is, this is better than Die Another Day, folks, I promise. Definitely. Anything's better than Die Another Day. Even Never Say Never Again. Jesus. No, 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 I'm not sure about that. <laughs> That's absolutely worst. Oh, dear. Can you what imagine if they tried using CG with like 1980s graphics? Like <laughs> suddenly Sean Connery went to Kite Surface Tsunami and it looked like horoscope oh. skiing. But then they have that, um, I Never Say Never Again, they have the. Um, the CGI computer game thing, don't they? And I love that. I think that was really good. Yeah. Horribly dated. Horribly dated. Yes, it is. It's hardly Baccarat, is it? 
No, pass no. The pat, pat, pat the joystick. Infinitely more exciting. Uh, it, it's not very good. It, it really isn't. But, um, yeah. Spy Love Me's got some really, really good bits to it. Just, uh, I think we've proved once and for all that I might like Roger more more than I did when I started this series, and I've genuinely had an open mind, but he's he's never going to be my thing. Oh, I wonder if he can change it in the next couple of films. Hmm. Well, <laughs> refusing to fuck a thirteen-year-old is probably going to help. <laughs> <laughs> I think she's like 18, 17 or 18. Either, either she's one of the most annoying 18 year olds ever. She is. Oh my god. I think she's probably like the most annoying Bond girl after Stacey from A View to a Kill. Oh my god. So annoying. Well, we're going to do a Bond, uh, Bond Women episode, and it, it won't be about looks or anything like that, although I'm sure that'll play into it a little bit. But we will rank them all. Obviously, she won't be in that because she's not the lead Bond girl. The, the, that'll be Melina from that episode. But. Uh... Again, another strong character who's completely sidelined. Annoying. Uh, I take Melina over this. When I was younger, because Melina's got kind of a very exotic look, it's not the warmest of looks. So I think when I was younger, I kind of found her a bit off-putting. But I think she's got a more interesting story than than Anya's. She does, because she's half-Greek. She gets revenge. It's not because she's half-Greek. No, no, no. But storyline in general story. is yes. Yeah, but she actually that. gets like an actual character arc. She does. Yeah, she has yeah. a believable really cool arc at that as well. So, yeah. but I love that scene where she goes because I'm half Greek. I get revenge, and it's like, oh, so. Yeah. Okay. Right. On that note. <laughs> oh, okay. So uh, let's wrap up then, uh, Becca. What's what's coming next, Moonraker? Yeah, let's do that one, shall we? Let's take a trip to the stars. Oh yes. <laughs> So yeah, because yeah, at the end of um, the Spy Love Me, it says James Bond will return in Furies Only. But because of Star Wars came along, he thought, right, okay, let's let's do a film that copies Star Wars and jumps on that bandwagon. Yeah, um, Moonraker. They, yeah, bring Moonraker, Moonraker the book has absolutely nothing to do with space. No, it's a bit different, isn't it? The same as uh, Spy Love Me. The book is completely different as well. It's about gangsters and bonders well, and sharks. Spy Love Me they weren't allowed to use the the, the 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 yeah they weren't allowed to use anything other than the title. It was a sort of no, part of the it. original Fleming deal. But um, they were gonna. Yeah, it's gonna. It's gonna get interesting next week for a lot of reasons. Um, everyone trying to ape Star Wars and throwing so much money at it. Um, we'll return to that when we get to Star Trek: The Motion Picture as well. When you look at the budget for Star Wars, and then go and look at the budget on the next Bond film and the Star Trek film that come out of the same year, uh, it's mind-boggling. But we'll get to that next week. <laughs> We'll come to that when we come to it, definitely. So where, where can we all be found on the uh, Twitters and Fastbooks, Twitters and Facebook and all the rest of it, social medias? Well, you can find this podcast, which you probably already have, at cinematronics.com, uh, .com, co.uk. God, I don't even know our website. Uh... <laughs> don't go to cinematronics.com. I did that once. It's not the same thing. No, it's a bit different. <laughs> yeah, no, it's not. Uh... <laughs> Way more Damn. interesting, but you know. <laughs> Thanks. Oh, very nice. I'm kidding. Go on. I can't even remember what it was now, but I did go to the. Yeah, one. I think it was some nonsense last time I checked. Anyway, um, yeah, just don't uh, the dot com one. Um, yeah, and you find me at uh, Cinetronics on Twitter, and uh, yeah, back up. <laughs> you can find me at RV Movies. Um, I don't really have a Facebook, um, but you can find us on Twitter at Expected to Talk on Facebook at Expected to Talk. 
And thanks to Dave, we now have a YouTube channel, don't we, Dave? Yeah, we do. Uh, the YouTube channel is just search for Do You Expect Us to Talk. I'm not very experienced with these things. I, I don't know how to... I've searched for that channel. It's not that necessarily that easy to find. But yeah, our channel is called Do You Expect Us to Talk. Um, and what, what all it was was we, we were having an issue with Facebook... Uh, not Facebook. We were having an issue with iTunes and Stitcher where somebody who'd found us through James Bond Radio wanted to listen. And only the last 10 episodes were there. So I just converted them all and loaded them up to YouTube. So all of our episodes are there. There's a couple of technical hitches on a couple of them. But the, the vast majority are fine. So if you'd like to listen to this whilst looking at a still photo that we're not convinced isn't copyrighted, um, that's the place to go. Otherwise, <laughs> you can catch me at, uh, at thepastykid1976 on Twitter, facebook.com forward slash thepastykid. And I'll see you next week, folks. <laughs> And I am working on getting the the feed to be different, so you should have that hopefully touch wood. But um, yes, yeah, sorry, folks. Yes. But, but if you are struggling, it is all on the website still. So yeah. So if you're having problems with the iTunes feed or Stitcher, just relax and touch wood. <laughs> but don't. <laughs> no, stop Shall getting Bond wrong. <laughs> I'll tell you about the spy who loved me. All do that with your fingers round your eye. I'm Roger Moore. <laughs> Bang! Blood dribbles down. We're on a submarine. Two sailors sit down and have a game of chess. And the cups start wobbling, and then a man who used to be in the Eden line comes in and goes, Why are the cups wobbling? What's going on? And then he. Yeah, you can stop doing that now. And then he pulls down the periscope thing, looks through it, and goes, Oh my god, the submarine's being eaten by a giant tanker. And then we cut to Moscow. And there's a man there, and he's rushing, he's got eyebrows, you know. And he's on the phone going, What? A whole submarine? You're joking! I'm gonna have to tell some other Russians. See ya! And, put, right, and, then, and then it cuts to James, Roger Moore, and uh, yes, he's with a lady. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's, he's necking with her. Right, and he goes, I've got to go, love. Something's come up. <laughs> uh, yeah. He means his cock. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, then he, he, he puts on his underpants and his ski suit, and he gets on his skis and he starts skiing. And he's being chased by these Russian shits in black jumpsuits with lemon piping. And, uh, and he's just skiing along like that, and, and they start shooting at him, and he goes, Right, I've had enough of that, just stop it! And he, and he turns out this gun, and then he does a backward somersault off this ramp, and he, he lands on his feet. Uh, I'm not sure why, but he's not showing off. And, and then he, and he goes over a cliff, and he's falling, and you think, Oh, God, James Bond's going to die! He's going to die! But then, at the last minute... He pulls a ripcord, right? And a, a parachute comes out, and it's got a Union Jack Michael! That's not the end of the beginning. The end of the beginning goes like this. Glang, glang, a lang, a lang, a lang, a lang, a lang. Glang, a lang, lang, a lang, a lang. Nobody does it better. And I'm a naked woman in silhouette with a gun, spinning round. Makes me feel sad for the rest. Nobody does it. Oh, bit of nipple. White as good as you. Baby, you're the best. Da, 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 da. And now, really big bounce right over, and I land on my feet. Da, 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 da. I wasn't looking. And somehow you found me. Uh, oh, bit of bush. Uh, I tried to hide from your love life. And a woman swinging on a luger, a giant luger. Ooh, look at that. Uh, like heaven above me. And now another naked woman walking along the top of a gun. Completely Billy Bollocks. That's why you love me. Just keeping all my secrets safe tonight, and then one more big swing from a woman. Legs go right apart. Oh, what was that? Too late. <laughs> Nobody does it. Oh,
as good as you. Baby, you're the best. Yes, brilliant. Come on, come on. Yeah, so, uh, do you want to hear some more?